begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Chris, a.k.a. Star Raptor, here for another episode of Outer Rim Transmission, your source for all the latest in the Star Wars galaxy. I'm joined by Milton and Ben, as always, but there's a fourth person, a part of our party tonight. We have Benjamin from Star Wars Timeline. How's it going, man? Welcome to the show. How are you guys? I'm very happy to be here. Always love hearing you whenever you're going live you know have a time to catch a moment you just hear you talk about star wars very different opinions you're all very passionate fans i'm i'm just happy to be here to talk about the game that i'm personally super excited about yeah he's talking about star wars outlaws the brand new open world star wars game but yeah man i've been a fan of just watching all your content i've been on your channel once so i'm happy to finally have you on this channel talking star wars live actually um so just tell us a little bit. Tell tell the folks out there uh, what can they expect about your channel? What's your channel called? What do you do over there? Just let everybody know the awesome content so they can find it. Awesome self plug time, guys. Star Wars timeline it started a couple of years ago. You know, at the that final end, ending couple of months of pandemic, I just said, you know, I got to occupy myself, do something, and it was just so much negativity online on youtube in regards to star wars sequels i know we all have tons of different opinions about it but i said okay is there a way to have this just mature adult conversation about this as fans come together and have our disagreements in a constructive manner i also wanted to bring into the light star wars legends books the expanded universe and you know there's once again there's this huge rift like oh my god only canon only legends i said you know what i'm gonna sit make a channel call it star wars timeline and show you how a single fan can embody both the canon and the legends the old and embrace the new and invite over fans who don't have to agree with me all the time then i can criticize the prequel he can criticize the sequel but we'll all find a common ground and you know what at the end of the day just enjoy it and have a good time have fun realize that it's just we're talking about a fictional universe chill out enjoy you know what i'm saying so anybody who is interested in these kind of dialogues i i do a lot of recorded podcasts with all sorts of different fans for example meg from meg reviews her and i we're going over the new jedi order series love having those discussions with her i have not seen a better star wars book reviewer than her on youtube she's so thorough and goes so deep so you guys probably will enjoy it. Star Wars Timeline. Oh, heck yeah. Actually, that's one of the things I found on your channel was those Legends discussions because I have not read a lot of the Legends that doesn't include the Old Republic. And at one point, you were talking mm -hmm. about Tales of the Jedi and why that's like one of your favorite Star Wars stories or maybe is the most the one you like the most or whatever. You were talking about Exar Kun and all these like classic characters that I had no idea about. And then after mm -hmm. I read that, I was like, okay, I'm tracking, or after I watched it, I was like, I'm tracking down those comic books, and I have them. I have not looked into them yet, because I plan on doing a, a Legends, like, read from the very first book, Dawn of the Jedi, uh, mm -hmm. or, would I, yeah, Dawn of the Jedi, but yeah, man, that, that's what got me in. I was like, this guy's convincing me to get these stories <laughs> now. Yeah. And so tell us about the Twitter channel or the Twitter handle, because I love the engagement that you have um, online as well for the community. And you have really great posts where it's like, choose the red pill or choose the blue pill Morpheus with Star Wars. I love those things. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the engagement you have with the community all over the place. To be honest with you, look, I'm, I'm a dinosaur, man. I'm 41. I'd never think of these outlets like, you know, Twitter or Facebook as something, you know, I'm growing my engagement, I'm aware of my, of my channel. I'm like, I just want to kick it 
I just talked to people and it all started like I basically revitalized my old school Twitter that was for my personal use and just relabeled it and just started throwing stuff out there. And sometimes, you know, I go off the topic. I'll talk about Mortal Kombat, Tomb Raider, other likes and Assassin's Creed, things that I enjoy. And people started responding. Obviously, you don't always get the response that you want with a certain tweet. They're like, I, I will do the one, hey, keep only one side. And somebody always has to come, what is this stupid stuff? Like, why do I have to pick? It's a game, bro. It's, it's just for fun. That's, that's the whole idea and the energy I bring into the Twitter. Just engage people. What other stuff people are saying out there? Even Star Wars Theory, right? Needs no introduction. We all know him. The stuff that he's throwing out there is saying, you know, I don't have to agree with everything he's saying, but... It's a lot easier to reach out to him through that than versus YouTube, where you, you kind of get it kind of like diminished and shut out because of the algorithm. On, on Twitter, the Star Wars community always feels smaller. Mm. You always can reach out to somebody like, hey, what did you think of, about this episode or this show? And you get a gist of what fans are like. And suddenly you feel in the loop. You're with the times as far as Star Wars is concerned. Yeah, and that's how oh, we yeah. messaging is we've been commu communicating Benjamin just through Twitter, Twitter messages back and forth, like, oh, let's make this work. Oh, would you see this? You know, so a lot, and even Ben, Ben Maynard over here, like, like he just messaged me one day, out of the blue, hey, you want to do a Star Wars podcast at the time? It took me like six months to actually get it down. But that is, you're right. This is a smaller niche community that you feel like you can reach out. I can reach out to creators like Star Wars Explain or some other people that are huge. They would never see my little comment on their, their video with, you know, 5,000 comments. But there, it's like, oh, they actually noticed me. So, yeah, I, I love what you do online with that. Much appreciated. Sorry about the background noise, guys. I'm going to shut myself off for a second. <laughs> oh, man. So, so, Milton, I know you've been playing um, some retro Star Wars games recently. You want to tell us about it? Yeah. Um, last week's episode, we talked about Rebels, Rebel Assault, which I still haven't played it yet. Um, but something just told me to play Revenge of the Sith on PlayStation 2 yesterday. Uh, as I was getting done with my morning workout, I got home. I was like, let me just play this before I get my day officially started. And uh, I was I messaged you guys in the chat. I'm like, this game still holds up, and the lightsaber combat is still mm -hmm. good. Because um, literally, I was doing the versus mode as playing as Obi-Wan versus Anakin, and just the, the, the saber techniques, the pivoting, the combinations... That game came out in 2005. Mm -hmm. Still holds up. It still feels smooth. It doesn't feel clunky like some data games are when it comes to whether it's flying ships or moving through mm -hmm. different parts of like an open world or a level. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel clunky. You know, it, it feels very smooth. And I thoroughly enjoyed myself playing those those fights against those gentlemen. So I love going back to the old Star Wars games. Again, my next adventure will be to officially play assault and also play battlefront on playstation 2 um right now i'm working on redoing my guest room turn that to something nice so hopefully once i set that up i can actually sit down and play on a big flat screen um yeah I, i'm excited about that but again it's nice going back to those retro games and you know all of us here on this channel tonight we've all experienced these star wars games dating back 15 20 years ago when it was the great Lucas Arts, and how mm -hmm. literally every year, every other year, they was cranking out some game that we all thoroughly enjoyed, and we all still enjoy today. So that that's where I'm at. That's why I love going back to those games because they still hold up. It brings great childhood memories. But 
again, it's a great uniter when it comes to the fan base of Star Wars, too, because I can easily go to you guys and say, hey, do you guys know about Republic Commandos or, you know, Pod Racer or what's the one I bought? Uh, Rogue Squadron. I got that oh, on 64. Yeah. Like, how, how excited you guys get? I say, hey, I just found these games. You guys are like, oh, my God. Like, Chris or Ben, you're always saying, yeah. I need to go to get a 64 now. Or I need. To I know. I'm dying to get a 64 you know, like, or a PlayStation or, or something. I need to get an Xbox because I want to play Obi-Wan, you know? I'm at, like, that's what's cool about the Star Wars community, you know? And so I like being part of something like this because I can talk about these type of games or retro books. And, and again, I love, you know, timeline, how you do the retro reviews of the books because I'm these guys will tell you I'm a huge Legends fan and I love the uh, Legacy of the Force books and I love the New Jedi Order but I, I I truly believe that the Legacy of the Force books is some of the best Star Wars written now there's some muck in there but overall like the character development I love every much of those books so I really appreciate stuff that you've put out regarding your channel and those retro reviews so yeah uh, much appreciated. Uh, Wilson, you know what it is? I sort of revere the time that I was introduced to these books back in the day during my end of high school, beginning of college days. A, I didn't read as much literature in general. And B, I wasn't exposed to sci-fi shows or books as much. So I kind of went into it with a virgin mind. And I wasn't so concerned with like discriminately like breaking down the plot or character point here, whether it fits or doesn't. I just absorbed it, man. And, you know, when you go in with this sort of approach and you just because, you know, coming from Russia, all we had was three Star Wars movies as the rest was just gossip. Dude, did you hear? I have I heard they have 22 movies in America. We only got three. What the heck? We start with episode four. Where's the rest? The, the lesser you have, the more you appreciate when, when stuff is given to you. Right. So I came over. I started reading. And you're right on the point where I'm at, like when, when you see my reviews, the entire New Jedi Order just hit all the right notes. When you go into the legacy, more, just give me more. And you're the, yeah, you're absolutely right. It wasn't all perfect. It wasn't all this just shiny hill, like some modern fans, for some reason, need to put all the expanded universe on the pedestal. It wasn't like that. We always went back and forth, had agree agreements, disagreements about certain things. But in general, the feeling was like, we are Star Wars fans. We're going to love it no matter what. Yeah, Ben Maynard. So, so tell us about what your earliest Star Wars gaming memory is, because this is something that Benjamin put out there on his Twitter as we talked about. A really fun question is, what is the earliest Star Wars game memory you have, and why is it important to you? Um, I would say for me, the earliest, I would say the earliest couple memories. It feels like it feels like it's right around the same time. Actually, it's of course Shadows of the Empire. You know. You know, everyone's played that before, and that's a fun game and everything. Um, and then the other one as well, a more, I would say, lesser-known game. Milton, you might know it from, the, from PlayStation 1, but the Jedi Power Battles game. Oh, yeah. That game, yep, that, yes. that game was a game, me and my buddies, because, you know, back then I was only, like, I don't know, 8 years old, 9, 10 years old, whatever. Like, I, uh, so, so we played that a lot, you know, in fourth, fifth grade, you know, growing up, um, we played that a lot. And, you know, and then of course, like, as I was like getting more into like the middle school range, we, you know, we were actually like understanding more and more like the campaign of like Shadows of the Empire to be able to like play it through versus like, you know, when Shadows of the Empire came out, what was it like in 97, 98? 
Like, yep. like I was only four, three, four years old then. So like, obviously I wasn't playing it then. I was playing these games more in like the early 2000s, like the 2002, 3, 4, 5, 6 range. Um, but yeah, so for me, it's Shadows of the Empire, definitely Jedi Power Battles. And then actually, so on the Obi-Wan game for Xbox, what um, God, me and my friends would play it for hours was the uh like the the versus mode just like obi-wan versus qui-gon or whatever like we'd play that and then one of my most i would say um i would say probably my biggest memory overall of course like you have your battlefront games and things but i remember the one summer when uh star wars lego uh, episodes one through three came out me and my buddies like i don't know i was in like fifth sixth grade that was like our summer break that summer like every weekend they would come over and we would just like grind lego star wars and then, you know, by the end of summer before school came out, we completed it 100%. Like, you know, so that was like a big thing we did back then when I was, you know, probably like 12 years old or so. So, you know, those are kind of like, that's kind of like my earliest mishmash yep. memories of Star Wars, I would say, like in terms of gaming. Dude, so Jedi Powder Battles, uh, I feel like not enough people talk about the game. I don't think it was yeah. the greatest game by any stretch. It wasn't your Knights of the I always had fun like, with it. But the one thing I remember is... <laughs> it's in the title powers and you had like power ups you could collect on the on the levels and one of them was a power up that made your lightsaber like 10 feet long yep i remember <laughs> that yeah ridiculously op like you could reach somebody on the other side of the screen just like swinging <laughs> the you know mace windu's lightsaber to destroy i don't remember much else from that but i thought that was the craziest thing and and it also like i don't know if you ever have memories like this where you remember something that didn't really actually happen. Um, so mm-hmm. I always remember, like, in the lightsaber duels, or at least I thought, like, when people lock their lightsabers, they get shorter for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the case until I was, like, 10 or 11 or 12, where I was like, oh, wait, that's not been happening. So I forget the actual term, analogy of what that actually is in your mind, of you thinking mm-hmm. something, but it actually doesn't happen. So I equated the, um... with the Jedi power battles, where it was like, oh, if the lightsabers shrink, they could also grow super you know they could also you know go further out extend further out so that was my memory of jedi power battle yeah that that was a fun game back then and then to throw out there one more for i mean a lot of our a lot of our listeners and you know i'm sure you three both obviously know this game we've all played it before um the classic like arcade pod racer game like you actually saw in arcades and stuff back then where you could like you know grab the pod racer handles and all that like that was a thing Back in the early 2000s, especially like from basically from the time of um, Attack of the not Attack of the Clones, the Phantom Menace came out um, until whenever. So so basically every summer we would go to Virginia Beach and there was always this Italian sub shop and they had the pod racer game, the full pod racer, like the, the, the seat and everything you sit in and play it, put your hands there, like, you know, drive the pod racer and all that stuff. And like, God, that was in there until like 2013. Um, so, you know, every year we went to the beach, I always was like, okay, we have to go to that place because I have to play that pod racer game. So, like, that was a really big part of my, like, gaming history of Star Wars, I, I would say. Hey, Benjamin, this is a question for you. Um, back when you're growing up, I, I don't know much about Russia. Do they ha- did they have arcades in Russia? And if they did, did they have any of the Star Wars games there? Oh, there's always a story I love to tell. Um, all of the <laughs> games that we got obviously weren't translated. That trend started around early 2000s, like 2004 or 5. So when I was there growing up in late 80s and early 90s, the first system I started on was Nintendo. But we didn't have licensed Nintendo products there. What they had was a Chinese knockoff, which is called Dandy. 
and you could actually Google it. They have users all over Eastern Europe and even some European countries. It was the, the trend. It was that knockoff console. It actually took original Famicom cartridges there. And all the games we had to play from Contra, I was a huge Castlevania fan. You had to either figure it out on your own or you just let go. So RPGs were a no-go. It was always text-light games. And in games like Contra, it was a magnificent discovery when somebody pressed the select button and you discovered you could play a game two-player. like, hold on a second, what the <laughs> heck? We could play two players? Are you kidding me? And you go right at it. So I immigrated in... 1996 obviously english was a zero for me i had to start learning from scratch and suddenly you start seeing this library of games like hold on a second they had star wars games on nintendo on game boy super nintendo are you kidding me the first console i got here was a playstation one so obviously where they started snowballing for me i started picking up star wars games there wow that that's so amazing learning we're learning history on outer rim transmission like we've never learned before we're getting different culture perspectives but as far as arcades go chris Instead of actual machines like Mortal Kombat, the way that I experienced Western games, like 16-bit games, they would buy consoles, official Nintendo or Sega Genesis, and people like all over the small town I was from would set up television sets with consoles, and you just go to a place and give the guy like a buck per, per 15 minutes and play. And one day I walked into this gallery, this place, right? They have these three Super Nintendos, and these two kids playing a game, and I see real actors on screen. I said, hold on a second, what is this? Is that a game? And the guy's going, no, that's Mortal Kombat 2. It's a new American game that just came out. I'm like, it's not a game. It's actors on screen. Like, I couldn't believe it. It just blew my mind, man. Yeah, That's it's, great. It's just how, like, us nerds, no matter what, you know, boundaries you might have, if it's the nation or whatever, mm -hmm. like, you'll find a way to play games. It has so awesome to hear as a lifelong gamer is like just the grassroots approach to like oh you can't get this yeah. game officially but you'll make do to do it even if to do like the the gaming underground yeah oh it's so that was the awesome. fun of it man it, when you talk with your friends here right in the states it brings people together like cultures you know because make no difference your language varies whatever that is hey Mortal Kombat was a part of your childhood. Same here. Same with me. Immediately, you connect with the person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's why I love going to conventions, especially Star Wars Celebration, because it's literally that. Yeah. It's like, you know, there could be an Italian guy that does not really know much. You can't speak. You can't speak to each other. But yeah, be like, oh yeah, you point to that. Be like, yeah, that's cool. Thumbs up or whatever. Like mm -hmm. you made it like break barriers from language and culture at a, at a big event like that. So fun, so fun. Milton, I'm going to throw it to you. What's your earliest Star Wars game memory? Uh, oh, man. I think it has to be on Super Nintendo. I think it was the Super Star Wars, Super Empire, oh, Super yeah. Jedi. Um, just because uh, when I moved, I moved to South Central Pennsylvania when I was 10, 11 years old, like I said, my dad got me into the start watch the Star Wars movies, and I knew about them. Again, I just wasn't really familiar with the movies too much. Then we had a Super Nintendo, and so I'm a huge sports fan. But obviously, the movies intrigued me to get more into Star Wars, and so we I don't know if we already had Super Star Wars or he might have gotten it for me. I don't remember, but playing that game was so cool, so dope. Mm. Um, obviously, Super Empire was. Till this day, that I, I'm looking for that one next because I have Super Return of the Jedi and Super Star Wars on Super, Super Nintendo currently. Nice. Um, 
playing playing the speeder mission and or not the speeder the uh indoor mission yeah uh, on the speeder bikes oh yeah and that game was so hard no, oh yeah I'm, those games are hard yeah i'm sure if i picked it up now i probably would struggle because i just haven't played it in yeah. years i have to sit down and relearn how like to attack it but yeah those are probably my early memories of star wars games i mean it was just looking at them thinking like oh my god like this is the height of gaming yeah we had no idea about yeah. 3d gaming i mean obviously sega saturn was becoming a thing um i guess when sega cd was it coming around that time so like mm-hmm. i know nintendo was changing the games a little bit but I, and then then as playstation was becoming a thing in the early or late 90s early 2000s like we didn't really know what the games were going to look like we didn't really visualize the yeah. 3d model of it or like the more live action version of it i know what was that um what was that other game it's like kind of like a, a star wars game with mark hamill he was in it he played like uh oh my god oh, wing, commander. wing commander mm-hmm. oh wing commander was kind of that other game too that kind of reminded me of star wars because that came out i want to say in the late or mid to late 90s i could be wrong on that mm-hmm. but that game too also sparked my interest in like space type games obviously like the star foxes really intrigued me too but super star wars super empire and super return of the jedi by far piqued my my interest in always being into the star wars games which it goes back to my point i've always said from day one at this podcast how very frustrated and distrusting i am of the new regime when it comes to video games because it's like oh my god they used to pump out great hits all the time now it's like always a roller coaster the last like five to six years but I'm still trying to give it a chance, and I know they have been hitting when it comes to Fallen Order, Survivor, hopefully with Outlaw. Um, but yeah, like like I said, I, I just like you, you Benjamin, with when it comes to the the books and the retro legends, like I can't let those go when it comes to the games because they're just so great to always go back to. That's memories, man. Hell yeah. I'm gonna piggyback off of yours, Millen, and I'm also gonna say I believe Super Star Wars. And I'll just say the whole trilogy as a whole was yeah. the thing that I first remember because I never had an original Nintendo. I had an Atari, but we, I don't think, did they have Star Wars on Atari? I uh, I, maybe it might have I believe so. I, I want know, to say yes. I want to say yes. It was probably mm-hmm. just very like hmm. basic, but yeah. I want to say yes. So yeah, yeah, that's definitely got to be because I remember, it's funny how we were talking about it, like you don't foresee how good games will look in the future and we are always so in the moment like this is as good as it gets right like the mortal Kombat 2 memory of benjamin like they are literally like live actors on a screen fighting what is this sorcery but no now you see mortal Kombat 1 and you're like oh my gosh this how does it get better than this but when it comes to the super star wars yeah that was the heyday of games like people think that dark souls elden ring are like the hardest games out there yeah go back to this era and come back at me when you, when you play these games because like you lose guess what if you're out of lives you're like you're gonna None. start all the way over again there is you have to have like a cheat code to like resume where you were before or something like that and i like how like i have so many memories from those games where whether it be like the first mission as a luke skywalker and you're fighting a sarlacc pit and you actually see the sarlacc pit like out of the ground like this yep. <laughs> tubule kind of monster thing and then you're actually like flying in a pseudo 3d like behind the camera behind this the land speeder so that was cool because i was like oh my gosh this is like almost like three-dimensional i'm behind and the same thing with like the speeder bike too like you had those like 
sequences like inner space throughout uh the one cantina level um the wampas were such a pain in the butt i don't think i ever completed uh, a new hope but i did get to the end of empire strikes back i remember fighting boba fett at one point in the carbon freezing chamber i think i probably still have the music from like the wampa lair like imprinted in my head <laughs> 30 you know 25 years later like they just you, you just play those games so much and as a kid I had nothing else to do, so I'd probably spend like six hours straight, you know, as a seven-year-old during a summer. I'm familiar. Yeah, I think I think that's what comes down to it. I think a lot of us at that point in our life, when we're you know from seven to 12, 13 years old, that was our that was our life was video games, school, and our friends. So like that's all I did. I mean, I played sports too, but I mean, anytime I had a chance to just get on Nintendo, mom, dad, can I play Nintendo? All right, go ahead playing like that's where i'm trapped for the weekend unless i had a sporting event or a family event going on and the novelty of it it was that you had either one console or one game that's what you were stuck with for a while so it felt like something special it's even it's hard to describe by modern terms like when playing being a video game fan meant something special it's so vastly different from well there was no social media then yeah exactly there's no social media you either picked up a book that you liked you either went to play ball with with your boys outside, or you play the video game. It's completely, totally different. Here's yeah. the difference, though, too. Two things. One, you're right, no social media. But the internet wasn't so quick to access where I can just jump on there and get some mm-hmm. cheat codes. It was, no, you had to use, uh, if you were, had the money to get the strategy books. Yeah, the they books. were so expensive. <laughs> you know, those <laughs> books were so hard to get. Well, you had to learn and play for hours. I mean, how many times have I thrown a controller or screamed at the TV because I can't get past it? Yeah. yeah. So like cool. on top of that, the, the second thing is the online play wasn't available at that time. And that became like when PlayStation was becoming a thing, PlayStation 2, I guess, was the biggest one for the first online. But you had to plug in the Ethernet cord yep. like the jack to get online. <laughs> you couldn't connect with your friends. A lot of times you say, hey, Johnny, Chris, you trying to come over and play the game? You got four or five guys on a Friday night after school playing games, eating pizza. You're like, I mean, how well, dope is that experience? Well, yeah. guys, I mean, this is, this. that's what my, like, younger years were. Like, when I was in, like, fifth, in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, you know, that was the time Halo 2 was released. Mm-hmm. And all we did back then, there would be, like, 12 of us getting together, like, on a weekend. And, you know, two or three people would bring over extra TVs, and we would have, like, three or four Xboxes all oh. Etherneted together playing, you know, split-screen six. 12 16 player wow. halo 2 matches back then and you know if someone goes to walk out to get a snack and unplugs the ethernet cable whoop, there goes all the games and it's like what are you doing but like <laughs> you know back then that was what it was and now you know versus nowadays like you can just hop on xbox in 10 seconds and be in a party with everybody mm-hmm. yeah i don't know about you guys but back in the day what i would get my my up-to-date up to monthly information was the the game pro or the Eurogamer magazines like i would yep. to, i would i was young so I would g4 go, yeah i would go with my mom to like shop right like the local supermarket chain around there in new jersey and i would let her go shop and i would say oh meet me i'll be in the magazine aisle and i would just literally go every time go to the magazine aisle and just flip through like oh that's knights of the republic i'm gonna have to buy a new xbox to play this game and then and then the same complex where the shop right would be would be a blockbuster video so i would always go with my mom on like a saturday morning we would go food shopping and then i would rent a a video game and that was a whole nother experience because like renting a video game sometimes i would rent a game like you know a game would be good 
when you would rent the game multiple times. Exactly. <laughs> like, yep, I'm not going to spend like yeah. $60 on it, but I'll spend like whatever the, the little price was. And then you would go and you would see the game you want and there would be like no available rental copies. And I'd be like, son of a gun, that guy's rented this thing like five times in a row. I can't play it. Yeah. Or you can rent rent the consoles back in the day because I think yeah. I don't, was it blockbuster yeah. or like demo that? discs, guys. Remember, you would go and buy your like PSM magazine that would come like with a demo disc. Yeah, yeah I believe Jedi Power Battles was one of the Star Wars games that did have a playable demo. And yeah. me and my younger brother were like six years apart. I would buy him that just so he could get a taste for the game. He's like, I want that one. Like he was so infatuated with the original Phantom Menace game on PlayStation One. Yeah. That was yeah. his thing. Oh, yeah, that game oh. still hits. Dude, yeah. so with that game, I had that game. I didn't have a computer that was able to run that game, so I actually brought it over to my aunt's house one day. And and back in those days, to upload the game, it took like three hours to like yes. download the game. And I would be yeah. like going up into the room every like five minutes, be like, "How much progress?" To be like a little bit, little bit of progress. And I finally play the game. I would have like an hour to play it, and then my mom would take me home. I'd be like, uh. we, we used to bring, I know when we were kids, we used to bring our uh, our Nintendos or systems, whatever, with us on, like, to our grandma's house. We we're going to spend half the day there. Yep. Yeah. All right, well, we, we know our grandma's got a TV, got the connectors. We're going to bring that. You had to. Like, it wasn't like, again, where you could just, like, have your, we didn't have the phones. Like, oh, you didn't yeah. have YouTube. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I, just, I Every but, Thanksgiving, we had a dedicated, you know, 18-inch like little TV that was light enough because those were the heavy TVs back then. It was light enough for me to pick up. So I'd yes. bring the TV with me with the console and then they wouldn't see us at all. We would eat Thanksgiving dinner for like the hour we were there and then they wouldn't see us the rest of like the three or four hours. That we were there. Well, well, Chris, that's how it was on my mom's side back in the day, back, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, someone would always bring a TV and there, you know, my one cousin had a Nintendo 64 and we all would, we all would either, um, you know, just battle it out on GoldenEye or Diddy Kong Racing on 64 for hours and hours and hours. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Ben, uh, you were the person that spurred on this conversation with your idea of your earliest gaming memory. What's your earliest Star Wars gaming memory, man? Uh, I can't fully say it's like this was why, when I became a Star Wars game fan because... PlayStation 1 era, I did play a little bit of Phantom Menace, I did play a little bit of uh, uh, Jedi Power Battles, but I wasn't sold. Like, uh, PlayStation 1 graphics were the world to me. Like, I loved it so much more than N64, other ones. I was a Sony boy from the get-go. Wow. But for some reason, those particular Star Wars games, like, I'm playing a Phantom Menace, I'm jumping on giant mushrooms, it obviously was catered, catered more towards, like, younger generation, and I understood that. I was like, okay, that's cool. My thing was Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, yeah. I started college already. I went to the community school here in the Bronx area, Lehman College. And my first Pell check comes in. They give you 1500 bucks on school supplies per semester. I'm like, hold on a second. I got free money. I know what I'm doing with it. <laughs> I grabbed the entire check. I went to a local game store. And on that same day, the original Xbox dropped. Oh. And on the in the oh. magazines, they're already saying, like, foreshadowing, like, hey, Bioware is working on a new game. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to set myself up with a little Halo game over here, another game, and I'm just going to patiently wait. When the original Xbox Kator came out, first, it's a bit of a disappointment. Like, hold on a second. This is not what I was waiting for. Where are the graphics, man? You had PlayStation 2 <laughs> games that looked bounds and leaps above it. 
like the 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 uh, Final Fantasy X game, especially you look at the faces, it's so realistic. You look at the Star Wars game, a little bit dating. I'm like, okay, all right, let's give it a chance. And the moment I started playing, I vividly remember that first planet, you meet the Jedi Council, you're talking to all these characters, but it's 4,000 years in the past. That's where I knew I became, like, the Star Wars spread from movies and books to me, and now I understood it was this huge phenomenon. It has toys, it has comic books. I was on that game for years, man, like, playing it over and over and over again. Oh, wow. That was like my, my coolest memory from, from the Xbox. Yeah, I remember going over a friend's house because I used to have this friend. Well, he's still a friend. His name's Chris. And he would always have the cutting edge system. He would always have the cutting mm-hmm. edge games. Like whenever a new game came out, a new system, he would have it. So I would always go over his house. And I heard he had KOTOR. And I went over there like three times in one week and spent like three or four hours just sitting on the couch watching him. And so I finally was able to realize I have to save money to buy this system so I can actually play it myself. So that that was my earliest memory of KOTOR besides seeing it in the GamePro magazine. Like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. you're only seeing screenshots. So you don't even see like motion of how it actually looks with gameplay. But yeah. I was just, yeah, the Bioware name was something that was foreign to me at the time i I didn't really know about them i knew they made other games but like this they hadn't made mass effect yet so this was like their first foray into like console gaming i guess but Mm -hmm. yeah uh what about you ben maynard what would you think what was your when did you play kotor um i played kotor i mean around the time when it came out i i remember see back in the day like i you know with me being younger i you know when that game came out because that was what oh five or so oh two or oh two oh two oh three oh okay yeah so okay so when that game came out you know i was younger i was probably only like nine years old or so ten years old and my thing is around that time like i wasn't into like say that style of like more story gaming that sort of thing so like i actually didn't end up playing it actually like you know for real until i was like in high school and like aware and stuff because back around the 03 range that's when i was playing like star wars battlefront one uh a lot of battlefront one actually um so like that was dominating my gaming around that time period like i remember i played a bit of kotor when i was that age and i like you know being 10 years old you're like i don't get this you know i don't get what's going on here so like i just didn't um I didn't, like, connect with it right away, but then on actual, like, sitting down and playing it when I was, like, 16, 17 years old, then it was, like, okay, like, this is a great game, blah, 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 you know, like, that sort of thing. So, like, it was my... even intimidating for me as well, man. Like, even for, like, I was, what, 18 or something like that, it was intimidating to get into. Yep. Yeah, so that's exactly why. So, like, me, you know, when I logged into that game, I was just, like, whoa, like, this is, like, too much. So, like, I didn't play it, like I said, until I was probably, like, you know, junior, senior in high school, and I loved it then. Um, but yeah, so that was actually my history with Kodor, unlike a lot of people, because, you know, a lot of Star Wars fans that, like, talk really highly of it may be, like, you know, 40-plus, upper 30s, and, like, I'm only 29, so, like, I I was just too young when it came out. Yeah, Milton, did you did you have an Xbox to play, us, play KOTOR at the time? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did have an Xbox as a kid, because I like playing... Well, this is why, speaking of KOTOR, but with Xbox, but I remember playing that game probably when I was a freshman in high school, so that would have been 2002, so I'd have been a freshman in high school at that time, and we had it, but I never really touched it, because I loved the cover so much, because mm-hmm. that cover art was amazing, oh, so but 
I mean, looking at your shirt right now, Chris, I mean, it pretty much was that, but obviously, you know, it was a little different looking, but it looks so good, but it kind of scared me because it was like, it was a lot. It was a lot of a game to play. Mm. It looked, you had to pay attention. I probably, my attention span wasn't that great probably at that time for that type of game. I think the next year, I remember I sat down and said, okay, I'm going to actually play this. And I did. And I was like, wow. I'm glad that I did because I really enjoy the game and it's one of my favorite games of all time. It's definitely in my top 15 for sure. Oh, yeah. But when it comes to Xbox, because I'm a huge PlayStation guy, but we had the Xbox, Clone Wars game Ooh, at that yeah. time. Yep. Um, that was that one to me really also piqued my interest as I got older as Star Wars, as a Star Wars fan when it comes yep. to gaming, because that one, like the 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 cinematics. And that game was awesome, especially how the game ended when Anakin, like, it's that dark power. I forget what that machine was called that oh, they fought the in the galaxy. Remember, like, they, yep. they, he destroyed that machine and he, yep. like, absorbs that power and he becomes more powerful. I'm thinking, oh, my God, is this the, like, is this the middle story after Attack of the Clones? Like, is this how yeah. he becomes stronger and he turns into Darth Vader or it helps him boost to that? Like, that piqued my interest to get ready for Revenge of the Sith, you know, three years later. So it was like, oh my god! Like that game also piqued me when it comes to Star Wars as well. But yeah, definitely had the Xbox. Love Knights of the Republic. Love Clone Wars. Yeah, that that Clone Wars game was the first time I got really disappointed by a game delay. <laughs> so so yeah. I I had my mother like go to Target that day while I was at school. I was like, hey mom, I pre-ordered this game. Can you like go and pick it up for me? And I guess, you know, in those days, they don't really have the internet to update you on if games get delayed. And she came, I came home, I was like, where's the game? And it's like, oh, it's not there. I was like, what do you mean it's not there? They said it's delayed. I was like, no. But anyway, when I finally, I finally got the game, it actually introduced one of my favorite Star Wars vehicles. And that is the TX-130, uh, the, the tank, the tank that's in that game. That you oh, control. yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that thing. And I'm pissed because they still haven't introduced it into like on screen yet. I was like. You have a hundred something episodes of Clone Wars, and you're telling me you're not going to put that thing on one episode of the Clone Wars. So anyway, I'm still still waiting for that thing to make its triumphant return to the screen. But yeah, that that was fun. There was like there was also an old ancient Sith or ancient Jedi in that story with like um yeah the planet uh I forget Renoir. I know yeah I, I forget I have to and go back and rewatch like the story play of it. But it's a little I know the last mission you're in this vehicle with Anakin, and you're like fighting this like machine yeah. or whatever or like this dark side whatever it was like you beat him and like you you absorb his power or you absorb something i could be completely wrong but i know the cut scene was awesome because anakin's walking towards the, um obi-wan and it's so cool how it looked and uh, obi-wan's like anakin are you okay pretty much and he's like yeah like don't worry about her or something like he's real he's being a smart ass to obi-wan and i'm thinking oh my god like this is the turn this is how he's going to turn the darth vader I have to go back and rewatch it after this podcast because I know for a fact he was just a, an ass to to Obi Wan after that like battle. I'm thinking, oh my god, this is the greatest turn ever. They're, yeah. they're planting the seeds to the movie. Yes, that's, that's what I thought it was. I'm like, this is great. But nope, it's not canon. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that might have been one of the longest opening sequences we found the show, and it was one of the best ones in my opinion because we've already had a lot of fun. But if you are new to the show, you can watch us every Sunday live at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. You can also listen to the podcast at your leisure on any podcast streaming network 
after the fact, usually on Tuesday or Wednesday, I get this thing uploaded for everybody to listen. But if you watch live, you can always interact with us in the chat live. So we would love to have you guys here in our discussion. So releases out this week, and this actually ties into Knights of Republic, Star Wars timeline. I heard, I've seen that you put something about a screenshot from the Old Republic on your Twitter. Now, do you actively play or have you played the Old Republic at any point? Yes, I am currently having an Sith assassin character. Again, I've been like away from YouTube for almost two months, but I basically, I, knowing my tendencies, I create 2,500 characters as long as they allow me to. But I'm like, you know what? Let me stick to one. So I try to play on the weekends. On Saturdays, I play uh, Kator 2, Sith Lords. Mm-hmm. And then on Sundays, I try to play the Old Republic. And I, I've been actually looking for a gang. Like, hey, if anybody wants to join me, like, go with the crew on a Saturday like afternoon. Just rock it out and have a good time. I'm, I'm there. I'll, I'll start a new character. Oh, heck yeah. I, I, I'll have to find out what server you're on. I believe I'm on, like, uh, Starforge, if that's even a server mm-hmm. anymore, or something like that. I'm on the East Coast server. So, yeah, we got we to gotta team up sometime. Because, uh, well, anyway, the reason why I bring that up is... Patch 7.3, update 7.3, Old Wounds just came out. That's Mm -hmm. uh, what I played on Wednesday. I played that uh, pretty sizable chunk of a story involving Mandalorians, involving Darth Malgus and what he's up to. And it goes back to the planet of Voss, which there's really cool Force-sensitive beings that can tell the future. So there's a lot of cool stuff, a lot of new story quests to get through. So that was the the first update this week. But yeah, I, I mean, that's... That's a game that I've gone back to. I've played that game since launch back in 2012, I think that game came out. Yeah, it's it's literally mm-hmm. been out for 10 years at this point, which is crazy. Crazy. It's the yeah. longest running like Star Wars anything I've And still so super active. One of more one of like the more successful MMOs out there right now. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, as far as publishing, we have a couple releases in comic books. We have Darth Vader number 35, and we have Son of Stars number 5, both of which I've reviewed on the channel. So if you want to see what they're about, if you want to hear my opinions on those, you can just check out the video on the channel. All right, so this brings us to our main event. Now, we had breaking news last Sunday. Following the Microsoft showcase, we had the announcement of a brand new Star Wars game from Ubisoft, Massive Studios, Makers of Division called Star Wars Outlaws. And at the time, we just had a singular cinematic. And at the end of the cinematic, they say, tune back in on Monday during Ubisoft Forward to see the gameplay. And we have seen the gameplay, and it's absolutely glorious. Before we dive into our, I wouldn't say frame by frame, but uh, screenshot shares of of what we're going to see in this, I want to get your initial thoughts, Benjamin. Because I see that you must be a fan of this game already, because I looked at your header on your YouTube, on your Twitter, you've... You've created something with uh, a sh- uh, KVS on there and everything. So I'm guessing you're a fan of this game from what you've seen so far. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I think I'm going to speak for all four of us. We are a little oversaturated with the Jedi in our video games. Mm-hmm. As awesome as the Jedi are, sometimes you want to take a break. And I personally have been like clamoring for a gunslinger, yeah. Han Solo type of game in this environment, in this setting, where you're a gunslinger. You have to rely on the different set of skills. 
And this game has been like an answer from the, you know, Star Wars gods. It's exactly what I wanted. I love the fact that it's a female character, that she won't have to rely, rely on the same skills, just like brute force with a lightsaber going in, a, in, in the front lines and, and destroying everybody. She's, she has to be sly. She has to be quick. She has to be different. And that's what I really want them to focus on in this game. And I mean, as we saw in the footage, I'm sure you're going to discuss it in, you know, greater detail but even the way that the gameplay footage starts they start yeah. with subterfuge and sneaking yeah. around yeah. first and then it goes into full action oh yeah bill and i i think you've seen a, at least the first few minutes because it's a sizable chunk they showed us 10 minutes and again i'm going to backtrack a little bit to last week i'm like we've never got promotion at this level for a star wars video game at this rapid of a frequency where it's like, okay, we're dropping a trailer up. Oh, we're dropping gameplay up. Oh, we're dropping behind the scenes interviews with, with the lead actress. Like they're, they're fully on blitzing us with this game. And it's, it's 2024. I think it's probably going to be the earliest part of 2024, but from what you've seen so far, what were your initial impressions? Maybe on the graphics, maybe just on, uh, the I don't all. have anything that, I'm really, really concerned about the only thing, knowing the division titles that the yeah. master has created before and knowing Ubisoft as a huge Assassin's Creed fan, yeah. I know oftentimes they create this vast open worlds mm -hmm. and populate it with these menial fetch quests and things to do. I would rather have a smaller scale game which offers the fantasy of an open world. But let's say you go to four or five different planets like you do in Kator, but they're more meaningful and impactful. Like I just did a breakdown with my friend before you guys, and we're talking about every decision making that you make. Instead of giving me thousands of NPCs, give me four quest givers with really prolonged and impactful story threads that I can enjoy, or maybe a faction that I can join, like Elder Scrolls titles. So I'm, what I'm looking for a more guided, streamlined, linear story, and then when you're not participating in the story, a meteor world. Something that really makes you invested in everything that you're doing. Yeah, I, I totally understand that sentiment. Uh, quality over quantity always. And yeah, Ubisoft yeah. has been getting a little bit away from that. I'm in currently in my playthrough for, for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, uh, Benjamin. I've, I've played every one of the... I'm just like you, man. I've played every one of the Assassin's yeah. Creed minus some of the offshoots like Rogue or or Legacy or whatever the other one was called that was on the PlayStation Vita or whatever. I've played the mainline ones, I'll say that much. And yeah, I could get the fatigue. I can get the fatigue of like, oh, you want to 100% everything, but if you do that, it's going to take like over 100, 100 hours. It's redundant. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, you know, something a little bit less than that, but I totally, totally agree. Milton, what were your thoughts on this so far? Yeah, um, I mean, from what I saw, I think the visuals look great. I mean, Star Wars has never been bad when it comes to the visuals for the most part, especially the last 10 years of gameplay so i'll give them that i mean i think what i saw with like the i think the characters on the speeder at one point i was looking mm. it, it was cool to see like that that gameplay and that motion how fluid mm. it looks uh, I, i'm hoping that you know if that's the way they're going to travel throughout most of the game whether it's through the, the speeder or they, they show like the the one ship with like not was a hyperspace but it's like more like yeah. went kind of like sub sub speed or whatever it was i can't really give you the term it looked good. It visually looked amazing. And I'm like, okay, I like how this looks, how, how it feels, even though I'm not the one controlling it. Um, from what they're trying to establish with this story, from what I was able to gather with the brief uh, visual of it, I mean, I, I feel good about what they're trying to do. You know, this is a game that we don't really need Jedi. I, I agree with Benjamin on this. You know, 
as much as I love the Jedi's in, in the films, and I think we need more of that. I think that's lacking in the films. But when it comes to the games, you know, what was what's one talk about one of the games that we really looked forward to ten plus years ago? Thirteen, thirteen. Mm. You know, like th- this kind of gives me that vibe of what that mm-hmm. game kind of mm-hmm. is. Because I remember watching that thirteen, thirteen trailer. It was like a ten minute gameplay trailer. This kind of what it reminded me of. I'm thinking, oh my god, I need that game. This game for Outlaws is telling me right there, okay, I may need to get this game. I may need to now truly invest in getting a PS5 to play this game um, because I like that it's different. However, it's very good that it's set in the, or the, the original trilogy era. Um, again, I don't need Jedi. Make this something fresh. Make it, <laughs> but make it also familiar enough where I'm like, okay, I know where I'm at. I know this feels good to be in this world. Hell yeah. Ben, first thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I thought the the trailer looked good. The gameplay looked really good. I mean, like we all mentioned, of course, the graphics are always going to just keep like getting... I mean, they should keep getting better and better as the years go on for Star Wars gaming. So, you know, that's great to see that continue. Um, and then, of course, you know, like you said, the the little things. I mean, the speeder bike thing was one of the big things I noticed like, that really caught my eye, just like the way it, lo- uh, it looked with her maneuvering and everything. I thought, you know, it will be interesting to see, like, the different vehicle side of things, because I'm sure, you know, especially with you, Chris, liking different vehicles and, and whatnot, like, I'm sure you're excited to see what all vehicles you can, like, ride or animals or, like, you know, all those different things. I'm sure there's a, a bunch of different options. So, like... The vehicle aspect, I think, is going to be a really fun one just to see what you can do on the planets and as well as, like, leaving the planets because, you know, that screenshot um, Mm -hmm. we saw from the trailer, I believe, just not even the gameplay, I think it was from the trailer, it looked like you could go to light speed. So, you know, it's like implying you can jump planet to planet. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) So you could jump planet to planet. So, like, that aspect, I think, is really cool. And it makes me wonder, you know, Chris, like, you played the Lego game if we're going to have like a map kind of like Lego where you can go, you know, like go around and stuff, um, go around the galaxy, like that sort of thing. And also too, it kind of was giving me the vibes of, excuse me, of the Arkham games in the sense of like some of the movement, especially with the vehicles. I love Arkham Knight. That's when you have the Batmobile. I I love that game because of how fluid it was getting into that Batmobile. Obviously, riding with, you know, you running, guiding or gliding throughout the, you know, the evening or the night with Batman, but having that free range of having a Batmobile and then converting it into a tank and how yeah. different it moved. You had to know, like, how to, you had to know how to work each, each side of the vehicle, whether it was the mobile yeah. side or the tank side. So I'm curious to see with whatever vehicles you have in this game, how different they are and how you have to really understand how to use them. Because Look, in most games, a, re- a, st- a vehicle uses this to have a standard like way of using it. In most games, mm-hmm. I hope in Star Wars to say, okay, if you have, if you if you hijack an ATAT, you have to really know how to use that ATAT. If you you take a, a, a Y wing, yeah. you have to really understand how a Y wing is different from an X wing or an A wing or a B wing. You know what I'm saying? Like that's going to be really cool if they actually apply those physics how those ships operate they'd be kind of dope that 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 brings together something which i i'm i can't believe i didn't think of this before it's like yeah there's a whole possible potential that you could be commandeering other vehicles and you know they're they're putting the speeder bike front and center 
I hope this game takes a a hint from like Survivor and adds a lot of customization. Like that'd be cool if I can customize like the forks of my speeder bike to make it more like a swoop bike or add something on the back of it or change the color, like really kind of personalize my my speeder bike since I'm going to be on that thing a lot. So, yeah, but but the idea yeah. of stealing all that equipment, uh, maybe even using other fighters in addition to the Trailblazer, yeah. which is the, the name of her personal ship. But from my overall reaction, uh, we're all positive here. I'm extremely positive on what I've seen. I was very taken back right from the get-go of just... The overall thing, like 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 you were saying, Benjamin, about the stealth aspect, about the yeah. options of play. And that's what's really good about these open world games, whether it be, you know, like Red Dead Redemption or, or, or Zelda or any of the other games. There's always like multiple avenues for how you can progress and try to deal with the situation. You can go guns and blazing. That's fine. Uh, you can use the little uh, companion little guy, Nyx, to go and confuse people and distract them and, and all that good stuff. Or you could just go straight on, kill, get some people, and then use their weapons. Like I absolutely loved the moment-to-moment gameplay. I liked how kinetic it was. I like how we basically seen the breadth of the potential of, of the possible game scenarios you could be in. Like You start off in this mission, you do this. Next thing you know, you get heat on you. You become wanted, like in GTA. It's like the mm-hmm. title of this video here. It's like, this game is basically Star Wars meets GTA because you have a wanted system. The Imperials become greater number then you have a reputation system so if you screw up with the pikes if you really screw them and piss them off they're going to start sending people after you but then if you you know maybe get in a good grace of the huts maybe you'll access nor weapons and stuff so you, you can really have this kind of role-playing perspective of like who you want to play sides with and as a smuggler you know we see han solo always doing that it's like the are this character is like the archetypal han solo character which is fantastic as benjamin said we haven't had that at least in the current canon state of star wars video games it, you know, it goes all the way back to maybe like shadows of the empire playing as dash rendar and Man, oh man, what a perfect time for that character to show up in this game. He better show up. It's literally <laughs> the same exact time period. What could better introduce a character from a video game into another video game? I digress. But the thing that wowed me the most is, again, just like the idea of going, doing a mission, getting on your speeder bike, seamlessly going into a town, just taking it all in, how lively it is. You see people on sweet bikes, people just walking by, creatures just lounging around. You go into, you know, a bar, you're getting another mission. Next thing you know, you're wanted. You get in your ship and you fly out of the atmosphere with no loading screen. You're picking off TIE fighters. You jump to light speed and you go to a complete other system without taking a single loading screen. Um, that to me is such a huge achievement in gaming, um, that we've been chasing for a while because I know Battlefront 3 that was canceled. They had a gameplay you could look up that has a similar function where you could literally do that in that game. So it's, yeah, this is what we've been wanting. Uh, I think a lot of us wanted this kind of creativity that you can go and you can attack these problems at any way you want, or you could just hang out in a canteen all day and, 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 and talk to an NPC, you know, it's just... The freedom here looks amazing. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to, I have a couple screenshots here. We're going to take a look at them. Um, so the first one here is I, I liked seeing how Kay Vess, her, her character model looks. I think it looks really good as far as um, fidelity. Um, it's mm. always, it's always cool. Like when you get these deep dive videos of like, developers, like showing you a walkthrough of a game you you go and you see a cutscene and then it goes to gameplay and you're kind of like taken aback because you're all of a sudden it transitions without you realizing oh wait this is gameplay now like that's crazy um so that's kind of like what happened 
uh when i was watching this one it's just like oh okay um now, do we do we know this character's like backstory or for history? Because again, I I didn't watch the first trailer that came out. I know you guys watched it. It looks like she's a brand new character created solely for this game. Yep. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Brand new character. I like the use of the Pikes. You know, Pikes very uh, very much in Clone Wars solo Star Wars story. Again, we're seeing sneaking around, which is it's a kind of a touchstone for Ubisoft games, whether it be Far Cry, whether it be Assassin's Creed. These guys, of course, the, the game director on this one, Julian, he's from the Division 2 team. Um, I absolutely love Division 2, and it's still actually ongoing. So, you know, they got the gun, they got the gunfighting, but what they were talking about this game, he was talking about, they basically had to make almost like two different games. They had one crew that was working on the space flight and another team that was that was working on just the overall, the, the, the regular mm -hmm. shooting mechanics. And oh, all that. even so, like when I did watch the, the gameplay trailer today, looking at this, and this is why I made the comment about Arkham Knight, just because those Arkham games, especially as they were going in the series, they're getting better and better when it comes like the move it, the movement, and like the the stealthiness of Batman, and obviously it expanded into more of an open world in the last game of that four game series. Like I, I love how they move. I love the movement. It doesn't seem stagnant. It doesn't seem mm -hmm. uh, um, stiff. So I mean, I mean, people move like this in real life. If you were like a spy or something like that, to the nature. So I like how it looked. Heck yeah! Um, what I like with the story too is it's involving Pikes, like taking from the Empire and taking from uh, just the overall. Uh, oh, taking from the Rebels, taking from the Empire. You got you got an A wing here. You have a tie, pieces of Tie Fighters in the background, uh, so there's just a lot of there's a lot of depth and a lot of detail. I like it specifically with the graphics. The lighting looks fantastic. You got really awesome atmospheric, like smoky effects. Like this, it, like I forget who was saying, but like this is like thirteen thirteen. I was like, yeah, this literally looks. This is the scum and villainy that we're we're dealing with here. This is this is amazing. Do you think they actually like took elements of that game to put in here? What thirteen thirteen could have been? I wouldn't put it past them, yeah, because you know they got to manage their resources, right? And if certain manpower, certain hours, and money was invested into that game, they had to abandon. Maybe they took some assets, right? Three D models, who knows what, right? And kind of like applied it for this game. Yeah, no, I just, I mean, because like I said, this this legit gave me those vibes, and I'm thinking, oh my god, like I need to go back and rewatch that particular trailer. I know yeah. it's still on YouTube, and it's like. If, if they took the best parts of that game and adapted it to this, and, and kudos to them. I mean, that's – but you know what, though? This is what Ben would say to that. Ben would say, listening to the fans, you know, or they're saying, hey, they're taking the best of what they were working on to apply it till now. Like, that's good. Yeah. That's being good, like, you know, strategists. That's being good leaders. That's being good developers. It's taking the best of what potentially could have been, applying it to what it is now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's always an important thing. I mean, like, that's always one thing I always harp on so much. I feel like that is always such a wishy-washy area, you know, sometimes with Lucasfilm, like, you know, like, just PR-wise, like, I feel like that's just good PR in general, like, you know, like, acknowledging, like, say, that sort of stuff, or in general, because it's like, the PR side can kind of be shaky. So, like, it's cool to see even potential, like, inspiration from that game um, in this game. Imagine, imagine an E2 or, or E3 event or, you know, Star Wars Celebration event and the creators come out and say, hey, you know what, we got Star Wars Outlaw, you've seen the trailers, blah, blah, blah. But you know what sparked this? 
He started dust off no project, 13-13. We knew that game needed to come out some way, shape, or form. Imagine the crowd going nuts, saying, oh, my God. Of course, good faith. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that'd be like, I'd be, uh, okay, I'm down. Like, because everyone wanted that game to come out. I, I absolutely love the thoughts happening, but I have an update that I don't know if any of you heard of. So there's another game being made by Amy Hennig, who is yeah. uh, the person that was in charge of Project Ragtag, Visceral Studios, yeah. got shut down. That game, everybody seen concept of what how cool it looked. And we got the story points where it was going to be set during right after A New Hope with dealing with the Alderaan survivors being hunted down by the Empire. Anyway, so that game never seen the light of day, but now she's in charge of a new Star Wars game. And they just tapped the director that was on board with 1313. The game director of 1313 is working with Amy Hennig. So as much as they're saying there's an inspiration there, I feel like they're going to probably remake like 1313 mixed with uh, Project Ragtag and like kind of have like an amalgamation yep. of the two, maybe. Again, there you go, Milton. Your, your prayers are answered, man. There we go. But right, but right there, like right there, yeah. telling you something. It's like, my God, t- take what 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 two projects could have been that were amazing. And again, maybe at the time it wasn't the right time. I, I can acknowledge that as a fan and say, hey, this wasn't the right time for it. And now they're saying, hey, this is the right time. We have the we got the team, we got the story, we got the technology. technology. You know, yeah. like we p- people love that era of Star Wars of like. You know, the, the survivors, because we don't know that story of what happened to Alderaan survivors. Like, how dope would that be? Yeah. To bring that into the forefront and say, hey, let's tell it to a video game medium and you know, combine these two games that could have yeah. been awesome. But again, that's just smart. Again, imagine going to, imagine that Star Wars celebration and was it next one's in Japan, Chris? Mm-hmm. And they, they come out and talk about this game and say, hey, these are two inspirations of this game. You would lose your mind. I know oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> you would you would say, guys, this is going to be the greatest game ever. I can't wait. It's going to be on PS PS Seven. You know, Probably at that point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I cherry picked a really cool screen uh, action moment in the trailer here of K Vest approaching a Pike with a Gungan looking energy shield, and you can see the yeah. heads up display. Uh, the, the UI, by the way, the UI of the game looks really clean. There's not a lot of like menus that get in your way or anything. Like everything is minimalized, but like with the Star Wars flair. So I gotta give credit where credit is due for the people at Massive for like just the game design in general. Cause like you can see like there's different options for her blaster. You can do like a stun mode, a focus mode, and she ends up like stunning them and then melee is the guy. So I, I just love the, the gameplay loop of just the approach you have to combat and the flexibility. Oh, yeah, that, that does look good. Oh, yeah, it looks really nice. I mean, that's one thing I was going to mention a couple screenshots ago was just, like, the overall look of the game, I think, is is really good. And, like, the details in the um, the foreground and, like, the background, especially, like, looking off into the distance on any of these screenshots, like, you know, the game looks really good and crisp, you know, no matter where you're looking at um, looking at it. Yeah, like, they're, they're in the one shot, there's a ship that's, like, way in the background. It looks like a, a yep. ship, maybe, and it's just, like, taking off. And it's, like, that's, like, one thing you might miss on your first playthrough. But on the second or third one, you're like, hey, I didn't notice that. And that's why I like about Star Wars in general, because Star Wars always has those details where, like, I, like we do, our, we do our commentaries on a couple of the movies. And I'm like, guys, I've watched this movie 50 times, and I'm still noticing crap every single time I watch it that I didn't see before. All right. Uh, yeah, what I really paid attention in the trailer, you know, is uh, so I have a BA in traditional animation. Unfortunately, a career I didn't pursue, but still have that formal knowledge. Like, took a year of three D modeling, Maya, and I always enjoy looking at digital art 
and looking how the new technology, for example, like, you know, Unreal Engine 5 is about to yeah. drop, you know, we're going to start seeing truly next generation games. And I think this game is potentially running on one, even though Ubisoft is known for having their own um, engines as well. Oh, yeah. The way that yeah, she moves in the footage, mm. I really mm. love the fact that she doesn't come off as a tank. She's really sly. Even when she punches that one yeah. Pike gang member, right? She's like, ah, oh, like yeah, she goes like this. And then when the thing. first, con- yeah, the first confrontation with the gun that she has, she stops for a moment. She tricks him, which once again, she has to rely on her quick wit. And then she gunslings this guy like, from the yeah. hip. She goes, pa, 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 pa. And when you look at this, you, it's such a small detail that you may not care about, but already it goes into the territory we haven't seen before. Well, we see either Boba Fett or Anakin Skywalker or whatnot, these type of characters that are heroic and larger than life. Now you you can kind of correlate to a person who is like, maybe she's a loner, because the only friends she has in the trailer is a droid and a freaking little creature puppy. Maybe she can't rely to other people. She has to rely on her wits, right? And when that is reflected in the gameplay, you know these guys are onto something special. Yeah, I-, I love the little character moments, like you said. I-, I forgot to mention, when she tries to punch the guy, she shakes his hand off. In this case, she goes to jump on her speeder bike. She like does like a little move a kid would do, where you would like jump on the seat with your feet, like a little trick thing, and then jumps down on the seat. Like, little nods like that. I hope they keep that in the game, and it's not just like flourish for like the you gameplay know, trailer to make us like, oh, you know, yeah. You know what that reminds cool. me of, though? You know what that reminds me of? That's like some Indiana Jones type stuff. Because, you know, like, yeah. Indiana Jones is very much like a clumsy... Hero, where he'll punch a guy, and he like, you know, he'll like, oh, that hurt, or like, he'll do mm-hmm. something like getting on the horse, you know. I think in the Last Crusade, and as a kid, he oh, tries to get on the horse, and the horse runs away, and he gets on again. Like, that's cool though, because heroes aren't perfect. P- human beings aren't so that they're not that badass when they do everything right the first time, you know. Like, it was cool to see that this person is normal even though it's a video game character, if that makes sense. Yeah, as cool as it is to get games, you know, about maybe Luke Skywalker or Han Solo, like those those characters, especially Luke Skywalker, he's just like, he's like almost just like Superman or, or just like... Uh, no, no, if you say... No, I say, well, I'll, I'll disagree with that. You said, if you said Rey was a character, <laughs> they pretty much made her Superman. That's just me, though. Well, I, what I'm saying is he's infallible. Like, he's not going to make those God, reactions God. that, like, this character would make. You know what I mean? Like, he Yeah, but, basically... but I, I I will say this, though, guys, and I'm sure we all could agree with this here. I would take a full-blown, full-fledged, I don't know, Luke post-Return of the Jedi game, like a big open game with Luke eventually. Like, I could definitely do something like that. Um, but, yeah, that's just me. Yeah, that's cool. I, I personally rather actually get games like this because they actually push us in new directions with right. the story and they and that's what oh god chris i'm sorry no i was just saying like this is like the kind of game like benjamin was saying like yeah, yeah sometimes you feel like you're burnt out like every game's got to have a jedi or a lightsaber in it and it's like here right. we go we're getting that game where it's like the down-to-earth characters the characters mm-hmm. that are like you and me that like we haven't gotten something like that yet so that's right i would pick you know, prioritize something like the, me but personally. At, like, but that's what that, that's what's good about that. Yeah, look at yeah. the games. Look at the history of Star Wars games that have been ultra successful. You have the Rogue Squadrons. You got the Republic Commandos. You have mm-hmm. uh, Battles of the Empire. You hopefully you have this one. Um, I mean, I can list off a whole bunch of games. Force Unleashed. Force Unleashed. Yeah, I mean, that has yeah. a, about Jedi non Jedi games. Non Jedi games. Oh yeah, that are really good. 
Yeah. Like, like we're just like we're like, oh god, that, that was really solid. We're like, you know, mm-hmm. Pod Racer, it's another one. Um, Jedi Starfighter, original Battlefront 2. We're not, we're not using lightsabers, we're just yep. flying ships. Mm-hmm. So that that's what's cool about like so you guys both make a great point that you don't always need Jedi in the games. I, I think they're great for the movies, obviously. I think they're great for the miniseries, whatever. But the games, we have time to tell a full flesh story. So give me Give me things that that don't that don't involve the superheroes of the Star Wars universe. Hell yeah, um, I love what they're doing with this combat. Uh, Benjamin, this reminds me of Red Dead Redemption Two with like the horse combat. Um, mm. I don't know. Have you have you played Red Dead Two? This Benjamin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm guilty <laughs> of not playing it that much. I only spent like the first oh, hour of it. My younger brother is like pestering me literally every day to this date he's like you gotta play it it's you amazing. gotta play it man it's one of the best games i've ever played <laughs> in my life honestly yeah. it's that's good. Good. and you know what though my, my a lot of my wrestling friends are into the red dead red dead redemption game i never played it yeah. i never saw like an interest to it but they keep telling me how good this game is i'm like eh. but again i always hear other people telling how it's great and i, I, I guess the first I, one it's it's yeah milton when you play it it puts you when we're talking about right an open world game here it puts you in an environment you feel like in the Wild West, man. Yeah, you right. feel like you're a guy just living the world out there in this uh, fringe, in this wilderness. It's crazy. Uh, it's incredible. And, like, the the moments yeah. that I have on my Instagram that I don't use anymore of, like, just the crazy <laughs> adventures of things that just happen on their own that aren't scripted is incredible. Like, non-scripted things that I just happen to be in a certain place and just absolute insanity happens mayhem happens it's just so fun but yeah going back to the speeder bike stuff it reminds me like there's like a lock-on mechanism that she uses and just blast these guys this is this is so a nod to shadows the empire like they they put this in there to be like yeah we got you guys covered yeah we know we're in that era hey we're gonna give you a sweep we're gonna give you swoop bike battles yep that's it that's for you guys there so i'm just like yes this is awesome (laughs) Right. But it looks it looks fire. I mean, but you know what though? Again, this has. I feel like I feel like we got this kind of gameplay too, and uh, oh my god, in Arkham Knight because I know for a fact mm. like you had this type of like system a little bit. Again, I could be completely wrong. I have to go back and look at the video again. But I know for a fact this reminds me so much of that game with the tank. Oh but yeah, it's it's, it's, it's very similar. Yep, I played that within the last five years. Yeah, that the game had a lot of that in there. Mm. Yeah, so so here's her approaching again on the speeder bike, just just looking at more of the the village, and this is where it the game looks like. Okay, this is the open world game we've been waiting for. Like just the overall scope of, you know, just the people in the village. There's people riding by. You see like the 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 grass like moving in the wind. This is actually mm. working on the snowblind uh, engine. To be oh, it is a snowblind engine, snowblind, okay. which is incredible. Like the engine mm-hmm. is, is great. Um, if you just look yeah. at Division One, it was like so ahead of its time with like the snowy New York City and all. But like, yeah, this is great. This is this is the kind of stuff I want to see from a Star Wars open world game. And we go into a a bar, a cantina, of course, and ND five. You got a a freaking commando droid in a trench coat. Again, like Star Wars, just when you think they've introduced like every crazy zany droid character, they introduce yeah. another one. Yeah, I have a lot to say about this character, okay. man, because you know, as a lot of content creators, whether it's video game or TV show, they try to follow this one 
mantra that George Lucas established. You got to have your comedy, you got to have your droids, right? We all know that. But in this one, every time they manage to produce a new droid, you can't describe why it works. I mean, look at the Jedi Fallen Order Survivor, right? When you look at the, the what's his name, the BB-1? When you look at that droid, it's so animate and it's so personable. Like, it's, it's awesome. When you look in this game, you know you recognize you're looking at a droid, but this guy already projects this aura like he's the boss, man. He has this trench coat and there's this history involving this character that you know nothing about that you want to learn. It's like, hold on a second. Is he a smuggler too? Did he just, like, escape the Clone Wars and became, like, a loner on himself, totally autonomous and completely sentient and just going on missions by himself? What the heck is going on? I want to learn more. What this game really nails with the art design, it doesn't feel overblown. It feels in its all fantastical setup. It feels very grounded and believable. When you look at outfits, even that Imperial lady that was sitting later in the, in the cantina when they're having that little negotiation going on, Nobody looks over-accessorized or over-extravagant. They look like they were ripped straight out of, the, out of Star Wars' original trilogy. It has a signature 70s vibe to it. Yeah, Ben, I mean, you've seen the creations with the droids in Star Wars with games. You had ID-10, which is the Battlefront 2 companion to ID Inversia, a little nope. droid there. We got BD-1 yeah. in Jedi Survivor. Eh, we didn't really get any droids in, in the Squadron game, really. But here we go. We have this. And what I like about this is, like, you get Fallen Order and Survivor. They kind of combine, like, the cute cuddly and the droid into one thing where it was like, okay, yeah, BD-1. This, they have the cute cuddly thing, which is Nyx. And then you have the the, the cool droid ND5. So what, what are your thoughts? I mean, right off the bat, I'll say, like, all right, Marvel. Like, where's our miniseries origin story for ND5? Like, I want that <laughs> now. <laughs> but what are your thoughts on ND5 there? Yeah. Man? Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, you know, it it did the job that, you know, like um, Benjamin described, you know, it's the droid, like, companion, like George Lucas said, like, comedy, the, the comedy and droids, like, that's what we always get with Star Wars, and, like, you know, with these side characters, and, like, this one probably stands to, like, continue to hold that reputation, because, like you mentioned, Chris, we had it in Battlefront 2, we had it in the Fallen Order games, we had it, I mean, you know, a lot of this, I feel like this, um team up in this game is kind of almost as well a reflection of mando of din mm. grogu and uh who's the dro- ig11 and ig11 yep i I was gonna say k2so but i knew that was wrong ig11 ig11 but it kind of feels something like that as well like it's a good trope that works in star wars i mean look it's worked since day one with 3po and r2 and luke and all those people like like so it's a good trope that continues in Star Wars, and I feel like to get a Star Wars story to work properly, droids are almost a necessity, I think, at this point. Like, no matter, you know, if you think about it, like, every almost every story we've had, like, main, you know, main story, side stories, whatever, there's always some type of a droid involved, and, in like, you know, this game's going to be doing the same thing. Hell yeah. So you had referenced an Imperial Officer uh, timeline earlier. Well, we're looking at it right now. We don't have a name, but I just love the idea of we're, we're dealing with the underworld. It's not just cut and dry, just with, you know, the bounty hunters. Like, this takes a, a note out of Solo and some other expanded Star Wars canon material. Of like, yeah, the Imperials deal business with the criminals. And we know this is a very rampant time in between Empire and Return of the Jedi where the 
you know, the rebels have been beaten down at Echo Base, the Battle of Hoth, and the Empire is again on the rise. And then you have these bounty hunters that are at the same time going after Hansel and Carbonite with the War of the Bounty Hunters storyline in, in Marvel Comics going on right around now. So it's really neat that we get this corruption and we get this other layer to the Empire where we're seeing them getting their hands dirty uh, with the criminal syndicates. Does anybody want to say anything about that? It's not surprising. Uh, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, that's uh, real life. Yeah, it's not. I guarantee our government uses. I mean, we have military contractors with private mm -hmm. organizations, that, you know, fund that, that help build our our government, all that type of stuff. I guarantee you that part of the government probably works with some criminals here or there to help push their own agendas. Oh, shadow ops as well, like somewhere yeah. in a foreign country, right? Right. Yeah. right. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times? I, I guarantee you, over in foreign countries, our government's probably teaming up with terrorists on the low and mm -hmm. push our own agenda on certain things or you know what i mean it's it makes sense because that's how government works i mean they they pulled this from the last jedi because yep. whenever uh what's his name um benicio del toro's uh, character got the stuttering yeah. problem he talks about it he's like he's like yeah i don't just sell weapons to the bad guys like yeah good guys, I, yeah good guys want them too i mean like, I mean, yeah, you have so many examples of that. I mean, look, look, I just finished the uh, the first couple books of the Heir to the Empire trilogy, and like in that book, you have Talon cards saying like, "Hey, you know, I work, you know, I work with the rebels, work with the Empire. Like, whoever pays me, like, you know, it's good to go. Like, and that's Their you know that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, so like that's just a trope that I feel another trope along with the droids things. Like that's a trope that's in Star Wars in real life, and just I don't know, it's just a common thing, like. Like and I think it's a, it's a good uh, like concept I guess you would say to put in a, a Star Wars um, game especially just because of like the Empire being so big like the government like you know the, all of us can like you know there are those times when you see stuff you know on the news and you, it's just eyebrow raising like huh I wonder what's going on behind the scenes so like you know this is something like that where it's like ooh what's going on behind the scenes here with the Empire. Yeah, I wanted to bring into the conversation once again the Shadows of the Empire, the novel, because, uh, Chris, as you mentioned in the beginning of the discussion, that this is a perfect ripe opportunity to bring some of the elements there. Because one of the huge aspects of Star Wars Legends was to, A, try to make a case for the Empire, the route that the, you know, Darth Vader and the Emperor chose, that we will have this new world order and everything will be pacified, all the, you know, uh, sectors will fall in line and then we will have peace. And then they kind of show you, they counteract that with the fact that Empire is completely corrupt from inside out. And all these criminal organizations like the Black Sun and one of the bigger Legends characters, Prince Shizor yeah. of the Black Sun, he, they have dealings with the Empire, and the Emperor directly tells them, look, if you need to accomplish whatever you need to accomplish with, by any means necessary, legal or not, go ahead and do it. You have my green light. So once again, not only, like uh, uh, Milton said, this is a great case of this is how real-world politics really operate, yes. but this is also a great opportunity to extract a character Seriously. from a legend that will perfectly feel at home here and 
Just imagine for a second, and maybe not a grand villain, but there'd be a point, a major plot twist in the game where you're trying to deal with this major villain, and then out of nowhere, Prince Shizor pops out. It's like, no, 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 this is what we're going to do here. My mind will literally just explode. Chris Chris (laughs) would have a meltdown. (laughs) Hell yeah. I'll be sending a voice message at 3 a.m. If Star Wars and Lucasfilm, if you're watching this, Kathleen, I don't know if you're part of the games directly, if you're watching this, Man, Benjamin just gave you your 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 spoiler slash plot twist for your video game. Done. Well, I see it right now. <laughs> I see it right now in the in my mind's eye or whatever. At the end of Fallen Order, it's been out long enough. I don't care. It's we're spoiling it. If you don't want to hear, just fast forward. At the end, you see Trilla, and she's about to turn to the light, and Vader comes up out of nowhere and kills her. Like, have a moment right. like that where like. You think that the top dog is is dealing him, and Zizor comes in and just kills the guy or something like okay. something like that, and it's like, oh, there you go. Yeah. In the way that would make sense, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because yeah. Zizor in Shadows of the Empire was trying to get the favor of Palpatine over Vader, actually. Yeah, and he was actually going to do it. It was actually looking pretty likely, and then his plans were foiled. And then in Outlaws two, two, you team up with a smuggler named Dash Rendar. Oh yes, my then, my ultimate yeah. Star Wars meathead. If there's one yeah. character, the super alpha male that I will stand by to this day and put my seal of approval yeah. as Dash Randar. Yeah, <laughs> I love one. that character. Another person joining the club, and there's another character. I don't think we've seen him in the gameplay, but he was in a cinematic trailer timeline. He looks oddly familiar to somebody that we might have played as in the Jedi Forces games. Now, there's a character, he's addressed as Jalen. He's in a cockpit. He almost looks just like Kyle Katarn. I feel like that's gotta be him, maybe? And he's just using a code name. It's 100% intentional, man. They're toying with us. Because he's even got the shoulder pad, but it's like on the opposite arm. Yeah. What the heck? So this game has a very large potential to bring in a lot of really liked characters back into the fold. So well, 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 Chris. My thing was, I mean, I'm not sure your take on this timeline, but the thing is with me, I feel like a game like this is a perfect opportunity to bring in characters like like Shizor, like um, Katarn, like Dash Rendar. Like my thing is, if you know you're not probably ever going to use them on like a movie or a show why not just throw them in these games? Like, you know, versus, you know, I, I love new characters and things, but like you could have Shizor be a villain in this game or or any upcoming game. Like if you don't plan on using him in live action or a sh- or even an animated show, like just throw them in there. Like, you know. Here's the thing though, Here's the thing, though Ben. <clears throat> they, they are new characters. They're new characters for the random low-key Star Wars fans. They're probably, they're, they're, the fans that aren't us, they're new to them. Yeah. You know, and it'd be like you're right. That'd be a great opportunity to infuse those characters into this type of medium. You know, eventually, put them in books. Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. It's like this is the opportunity. I mean, God for me. Look, I would love to get those characters in a miniseries, obviously, or or a movie. But that's probably not going to happen at this point. Um, because we we know what their timeline of movie is going to be the next ten years. But it's like, yeah, you got the medium right here, man. This is the perfect timeline for it too. Yeah, yeah. I, here's an idea. Here's an idea timeline. You know, they, I mean, you can't say they have a Star Wars video game universe because Star Wars canon, everything is on the same page. But if they were to do something, they could introduce Kyle Katarn in this game. 
We know that Respawn, another team at Respawn, is developing a first-person shooter. The guy that made the original Battlefront in 2000, whatever that was. What if we introduce Kyle Katarn in this game, and then in that game, you're actually playing him in the first-person shooter, and it's like a new Dark Forces game. Like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm hyping myself up too much. I know I'm going to be like <laughs> <let> down already. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I have a little background noise there. I'll I'll hit you with the answer right away. <laughs> You're good. All good. Yeah, sorry about that. No, the thing is, I think I made the case for the Star Wars Expanded Universe, and I make the same for the canon. In the Expanded Universe, during the George Lucas's days, there were tiers of, of what is considered canon. Right? Nope. And sometimes, obviously, George's direct work, like his TV shows and movies, they would countermand what's happening in the shows, and then shows would countermand what is happening in the comic books, and everybody was cool with that. It works into the show, uh, you know, franchise's strength when they're playful like that. When they strictly adhere to one solid canon like they're trying to do in modern Star Wars, I feel it's detrimental because when they kind of like, they trap themselves with the stories that they're telling. They're not allowing themselves enough room to be playful and, and be exciting and be spontaneous. And here comes along the Visions show, Right or even a, a book that spawns from that called the Duel, which is literally non-canon. Yeah. Nobody cares if it coincides with this video game, with this movie. That's why for me as a fan, it's been so easy to absorb and accept all the new Star Wars because for me, real Star Wars is what I like. I can read my Shadows of the Empire novel next to my Aftermath trilogy and enjoy them both on par, even though I know they don't happen in one place. They're sort of like parallel universes. Who the hell cares? It's a fictional universe. I never understood, as, as an expanded universe fanatic myself for over 24 years, I never understood that purism. Oh my God, if it's not canon, if it doesn't connect, I don't care for this. Who cares? Is the story good? Did you enjoy it? I mean, p people still revere the, the Force Unleashed video games. Why? Because they were able to capture your imagination, <clears throat> tell a dope story with a whole new character that never existed before. Do that again. Uh the funny thing is what you're saying benjamin is yeah. ask chris, chris knew why i was laughing because you pretty much took the exact words out of my mouth like that's what i was saying this week like we were all talking in our group chat leading up to this uh episode and like that's my thing with a lot of it is like i think if they would just be like a little more flexible with it like you know how it was like you said the different tiers of canon um then it could maybe open up your potential storytelling for your video games even further than what it is. Like, you know, you could open it up to a little more craziness that that may not be available at this time. So, like, you know, that that's why I was laughing, though, Chris, because, you knew I like Benjamin took like my exact words, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was so funny. Um... How cool would it be if they make a fighting game? And you select a Mace Wind on one side, and then he go well, gets to go to like Darth Bane from the Legends, and you have well, these two characters that don't exist. Well, this is my thing. I I yeah. I know I'm in the minority of people, but I loved the old uh, Masters of Terrace Kasi game back in the day. Like you know, because it was just a smash 'em up fight versus your friends game. Like that was a fun game back then, and I wish they would reiterate or re. Um, like, you know, kind of even remaster, redo a game like that. Just throw in all these characters from Star Wars. Like, even the even current canon, like, just throw them all into current. a fighting game and just kind of yeah. battle it out. You probably, like, uh, take, make it, like, kind of like a model, but obviously modernize it, like, um, 
like Soul Calibur. Remember those yep. fighting games? And then we did have yeah, Vader was in the one Soul Calibur game. Um, and then or like the old Marvel versus Capcom. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, obviously, you know, it'd be cool to see. Well, are you guys like familiar with Dugan? The you know the freeware PC fighting game that you could put in your own characters and you battle each other, and people basically make their own fan games, the mm-hmm. Bugans. It's pretty yeah. popular in the, the fighter game community. Oh, Imagine okay. people just make, like, put little random Star Wars characters in there, and I don't know, I don't like when they trap themselves, when it, it becomes this corporate thing with, like, they have to totally rely, like, is it going to sell? They sit in the committee, and they make these decisions that completely don't coincide with what fans want. Fans want characters they love, characters they grew up with, whether it's canon or not. Like, who cares, man? Yeah, like, I would I would love a game kind of like, almost like, um, what, what do you call games like Fortnite, Chris, that are, like, constantly being updated like that? Like, um, a live service games. Yeah, li- live service games. Okay, so yeah. I would love just a live service game on our consoles, literally, where it's just, I mean, pretty much like Fortnite, I guess, but, like, a smash em up up game where you can just load into a lobby with eight people and fight it out with Mando and Darth Vader and Darth Maul and whoever and just just like have at it like I think I think that would be a lot of fun just to like kill time and stuff but you know the thing is like a game like that in my opinion can't be made because of like the the strict like adherence you know to like to um, the storytelling and stuff like that's my only issue with gosh this is like the airing of the grievances of canon podcast now but that's my that's my only issue with star wars canon is it bootstraps video game storytelling in my opinion yeah yeah but. there's definitely there's definitely plus or minuses <laughs> and it's funny it's yeah. funny that we're on this topic because i i've been hovering at the screenshot for the last five <laughs> ten minutes now which is great because we're having an awesome discussion but this is going to open up a whole nother can of worms because this is the first Star Wars game with RPG elements to let you make decisions. And I'm very yep. curious how that's going to play out with, like, for lack of better term, the Star Wars timeline of, oh, well, my character did this in the game, and I, I decided to work with the Imperial Agent. But then my friend over here decided to kill the Imperial Agent. So in the Star Wars timeline book of second edition in 2030, when that's released, like, whose character does what? So... It's interesting because this is one of the things that we really liked about Knights of the Republic. Bring it back to the KOTOR discussion mm-hmm. of like, yeah, this is the that was the first game to like really make you like your decisions matter. Like you actually chart the course of your story. So yeah. in this case, I'm I'm excited that Lucasfilm has kind of opened the floodgates because now we're gonna see this happen time and time again with with Outlaws having this this discussion and we're gonna have star wars eclipse which will come out and that'll probably have stuff like this because this that's also a story game kind of thing mm-hmm. so uh what are your thoughts on this what are your takes on this with the, the whole i love the idea of choosing this is all happening in assassin's creed games now recently it's pretty fun the first thing that comes to mind is the witcher 3 game which did it oh. the right way you know it's quality versus quantity you don't want to oversaturate your gameplay with menial tasks what you want to have is few really well-written, well-acted, with diverse gameplay, gameplay styles, where in one mission it has to do something with flight, another mission has to do only negotiation. It's not necessarily you know, action-centric. Yeah. And if you create something that 
fans will remember and have the chance to go back to, like in Mass Effect games, and see the same scene play out completely differently based on what your origin of the, your character is, based on whether you're a gunslinger or you're a melee fighter. You know, all these different decisions come into play. I would rather replay one solid mission in an open world game like this versus 10 different ones which are inconsequential what, what really brings it home is the feeling that it gives you the emotions that you, you know the scene carries and after long that mission is done you go back like everybody's talking about the you know the the red wedding in the game of thrones yeah. when you go to the witcher 3 game what's that mission called with the red baron crimson baron right oh, when, yeah. when the whole thing with his infant baby People still talk about this stuff, and the way that we play, the way I, the outcome that I had was completely different from the way my brother did. I'm sure you guys, if you finished that game, you probably had a different outcome as well. That's the beauty of choice making. When you feel there's a sense of ownership of the story, like mm -hmm. I got to the end. This is what my character established at the end, and this is the ending that they got. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, I mean, that, you, you said it well. Yeah, Witcher Three. I always say I said this on Twitter earlier. I was like, yeah. Witcher 3, Red Dead Redemption, some of the best games I've ever played. And, and Witcher, yeah, they have... Witcher had those, quote-unquote, side quests, but the side quests in that game felt like main quests because they were so consequential, yeah. and they really... You feel like you're making those choices, like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to Kira? Oh, well, I just killed Kira. <laughs> I'm like, just different things happening all over the place where it's like, I've never played a game like this, so I really hope that um, Outlaws takes a note out of that page and, and does something... Uh, really impactful and I, yeah. I i could imagine like you know you're not gonna have uh you're not gonna have our main character die versus be alive by the end of the game it's not gonna be a thing that extreme but i think it's like the journey ends up to the same place maybe perhaps but we're gonna get there in different ways because you know they're gonna be like okay uh kves ended up doing this she ended up doing the heist that stole this item that went there yeah. i gotta come back on you um timeline to ask you what you think the heist is going to be about uh what item because um i have a couple ideas i think we we talked uh me and me and uh, ben and milton last week about what we think it could be but um what do you first uh, we'll just jump on that right now while we can what do you think this heist is going to be about the one that we saw in the actual uh gameplay footage right yeah or the cinematic they say like the whole premise of this game is she's going to make her life uh, go down a new path by whatever this item this this height this grand heist of outer rim yeah this what what the heck is she saying? honestly so i think the most sensible way to parse it is like okay she's a smuggler she's in the underworld what could possibly happen what's the earth shattering event that will completely change the course of her journey and that is i'm thinking entanglement either with the rebels or the empire because, um, again, they could introduce many factions like in Elder Scrolls, whether you were the Mage Guild or the, you know, the, the Adventurers Guild or, 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 you know, a spy. But here you have the Republic and you have the Empire or the, the Alliance. I'm sorry, time frame. I forgot. So something happens to her. And she will be forced to, to join one side or the other. Oh. And perhaps we will get those multiple endings. Perhaps we will get those two different choices that she makes. And later on in the novel, they, they'll canonize one of them. Oh. They'll give you an opportunity to say, this is a life-altering event. Because when you think about somebody who's an outlaw, who lives in the fringes, outskirts of the civilized you know, society, the only thing that they become bigger and larger than life and overcome great adversities, what, which character growth necessitates, 
they need a great challenge. And what do you think of great challenge? I don't know. Boba Fett, Darth Vader, Prince Shizor, Luke Skywalker. Maybe she crosses the wrong people. She gets into the radar of the Alliance. And the Alliance, oh, hold on a second. This girl, she's capable. She's smart. Remember, it brings Rogue One into, into there. Jin Erso, right? She, who didn't want anything to do with this war. And then these cataclysmic events happen to her. And suddenly she's fighting for the good cause. Mm. So that's my thought. I love that. I, I mean, I I would like an inverse story. I would like her to actually go to the Empire. I mean, we see what happens. I inverse her. She goes to the Rebels. Let's get the inverse. Though. Let's let's get this character grow yeah. to the Empire. What, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I think um, you made a lot of really good points there, Ben. Like the thing is with that, it's just you know, there's so many options, and who knows? Maybe this whole conversation with this Imperial chick is like you know, it's like your turning point in the game where maybe. It's like, are you going to go good or go bad? And like, you know, maybe if you, I don't know, say yes to go with her, you know, it leads you down, I don't know, however many different tasks for the Empire versus however many tasks for the Rebels, potentially. Like, like maybe they do something like that. Um, and yeah, and then when it comes to the, the whole heist thing, it is interesting to think about because, like, from the Rebels' point of view, you have either, like... I feel like it's, you know, we could go, like, grand scale with this. Like, the Rebel's point of view, she could be trying to acquire the plans to the second Death Star. Like, that that's, like, the highest tier, I think, of um, Rebel's mm -hmm. uh, sides of things, for example. But maybe, from, like, the Imperial point of view, maybe it's something more along the lines of, um, you know, her finding where the Rebels are, like, rendezvousing or something post um empire strikes back like maybe it's something and like that and yeah, and infiltrate them. yeah yeah maybe it's something like that because because i feel like if there's going to be a hard cut in the game where it's you're going good or going bad i mean they would have to have two straight up different stories because like there's you know if you're if you do a full quest for the for the rebels i don't see you really turning you know being able to like turn bad potentially unless unless it's like you know you're being a spy or something that then there's that but but, uh, but, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of options they could go with this. Heck, yeah. Uh, moving on to the next big thing I talked about this up front is the idea of a wanted system. Now, as somebody that's super involved with art in your day-to-day, -day, I, I thought this was a nice standout uh, timeline. Like, just the idea of, like, when it becomes wanted, it, like, flashes an arbash with, like, the just, like, the warning side. Like, you're wanted by the Empire. What do you think about this? I'm super excited. I mean, I'm not a huge uh, Grand Theft Auto fan. It's just generally not the type of games that I play, but I enjoyed watching my younger brother play. And it really, you know, brings the stakes higher. Like suddenly there's this tense moment and it gives you an opportunity to kind of like forget about the larger journey or, or the mission that you're on. And now you're into minute-to-minute -minute games. Like, oh shit, you know, I got to dodge into this cantina, dive behind the bar or steal some kind of like vehicle to escape. Or what happens if the repercussions for your actions, like we saw in the trailer, in this little small fringe world, then you fly off to a different planet, but now you made a name for yourself and other bounty hunters will be like, holy crap, this girl, this, this chick from this planet, She'd make a stand like against the empire. Let's try to give her a more important job. Let's let's and you see yourself rise through the rank because they also talked about not only this kind of like wanted system, there'll be some sort of reputation system. Mm -hmm. 
So maybe your actions will lead something. Like you opened up. I love games which kind of open up certain areas of the game that are yeah. only accessible if you did accomplish a certain thing. Yeah. It's a very bold choice. It's very ambitious. And a company like Ubisoft has all the necessary you know, uh, means to deliver it. Yeah, you, you see it. Like they're pulling, Ubisoft is pulling out all stops on this game. They're pouring yeah. everything they can. And so for what we've seen, this is pure quality. It's not like, it doesn't look like it's a cut and paste of Far Cry or a cut and paste of Assassin's Creed. This definitely looks like it's its own things. Maybe, you know, hopefully they, they learn lessons from both of those other franchises of their open world games. Be like, okay, it's starting to work this and work. This feels more Star Wars. We got to, you know, implement a system that feels more like this for Star Wars. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally down with it. Yeah. And, I mean, just the idea of flying right into the atmosphere, as I said, right off the rip is just, it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, yeah. Just having full control of, of the ship uh, to be able to just go anywhere you want. They said like... And it looks like some concern that uh, Josh voiced, like I, I had this podcast I was recording earlier today with him, is that we, we really hope that it's not going to feel like a half-assed shooter game and half-assed flight game, which uh, the company specifically talked about how they had two separate yep. teams, professionals, experts in the gaming industry, one working on the flight, one working on the gunslinging. And honestly, it's as, as much as we want to play devil's advocate and kind of be concerned about things, which is totally valid, when you look at the gameplay footage in the trailer, it speaks for itself, man. We know something is special is cooking. And you just you can't be like, oh, man, where is this game? I want to sink my teeth into it. I want to stop playing right now. No, and that's a good point. And that's why I said it earlier. Like, it looks like Star Wars, Lucasfilm, Disney, they're, they're hitting it here. Like, they, they know what, they know this is the type of game that's really going to bring in not just us nerd, hardcore fans, this is what this you bring in some rando person to play this game like that's what you're marketing to so if they if, they're, if they do it right with the story if they do it right with the engine and the gameplay they're going to draw in eyes and that means dollar signs and revenue and you know just word of mouth like right now we're giving them free marketing right now this is what's going to happen when the game comes yeah. out what is it 2024 when the game yep. comes out yeah, yeah. early so, 24 Again, Chris, when you buy this game, you're going to be given free marketing when you're reviewing it. You know, like it's it's going to happen. So that's that's how they need to do it. Oh well, my thing with this game too, um, with the flight specifically, like I think that's my other than like say the open world aspect, but the flight, like the ground to air or ground to space potentiality of the game, I think is my most anticipated aspect of the game, just because you know ever since we saw that in the original Battlefront 3 trailer from like 2010 or whatever, ever since we saw that potential aspect, we've never gotten that really in a Star Wars game yet, the ground to air. So I can't wait to see how they actually, how you can actually execute it, you know? Yeah, and, and again, going back to the, the menu system, I like how you're not getting pulled out of like space combat to like choose your route. Like they show clearly on here, like, you go to Akiva's orbit. And by the way, like every orbit of every planet that they have in the game is unique. There's different space stations mm -hmm. or there might be like a, an asteroid field. So like it's nothing's like cut and paste. Everything seems like it is literally done specifically. Nothing's like procedurally generated. Um, so I, I'm excited. I mean, just specifically Akiva. That's a planet we haven't seen on screen before. That was 
already referenced here on the channel on this video the very video by benjamin talking about star wars aftermath trilogy that was the very first planet that admiral sloan is on and all that kind of thing going on with wedge antilles and all that so i'm excited to see that i'm excited that the whole mechanics of just like charging up your hyperdrive like we've seen that so many times in movies like oh we're being engaged we can't we can't jump to hyperspace yet so having to find a way to like prioritize you getting out of there is pretty cool yeah that'd be dope oh yeah and then at this point they they've been they they kind of show us like a, a number of quick cuts from other things and like a little a little trailer so we get we get eyes on different locations so what we see is you're gonna get kajimi from rise of skywalker you're gonna get tatooine of course you can't have a game like this without <laughs> tatooine like that's that would be a big disappointment if they didn't put Tatooine in the game. Um, the 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 system, the planet that's made for the game that we've been seeing, is called Tashara. So it's a brand new planet developed for Star Wars Outlaws. So I'm gonna be looking forward to seeing that in like the comics and stuff as reference, because you know now that this is out, they'll they'll probably start peppering that into some of the novels some of the comics, some of the publishing. Uh, we got a place that looks like Dayu from Obi-Wan. It's like, or Narshada. Maybe it's Narshada. I've been screaming to get that in the freaking game for a long time. Oh, I've been asking for Kato Nymordia forever. Oh. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah. The and, way that they describe yeah. the planet, I believe, is it in the Brotherhood? The yeah. one with uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah. and uh, Anakin on their mission? Man, when they described it, Kate and Nemodia, like because when the original Phantom Menace came out, to be those little aliens, they looked laughable because they yeah. looked like fish. They have like funny accents, but when the story is in the right hands and the yeah. writer knows what to do with it, man, that that lady, I think I believe it's yeah. a female author, like yeah. she was eliciting emotions every other chapter. I'm like, first of all, that sniper lady. That the military girl, yeah, she was yeah. awesome. Like Kane and Nimodius came like a whole oh. new race for me through that book. And yeah. I can only guess what they're gonna do here if they're gonna put the planet in there. Right. I mean, I think the only time we've seen it was was it briefly at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith yeah. when Plo Koon gets yep. And then we I think we did we get that in the Force Only's too? Yep. We, we, yep. we play because they play yeah. the big uh, you go after the big Sarlacc, like you fight him or something. You I think. fight somebody in midair with um, yeah, and it's like that's the only down. time we got him is that game and that brief cameo in the movie. It's like give me Kato Nymordia all day, that'd be yeah. awesome to play play in. Oh, yeah, and you know, I wanted to throw out there too, guys. Um, when we were on the wanted thing, I didn't get a chance to say it, but here's an idea I just thought of. I wonder if the wanted system is going to work in a way where. Think about it like a tier thing. Like, what if, you know, the more wanted you become, what if, like, you engage harder and harder bounty hunters? Like, for example, like, the top guy you engage is, like, IG-88 or Boba Fett or someone, or Dengar or whoever. And, like, you know, maybe you're running into some lower-level dudes, like, when you first start out. Like, maybe maybe they increase the difficulty of, like, the the bounty hunters or the people that are after you. Yeah, that'd be I mean, Assassin's Creed has that, right? The more camps yep. that you invade, stronger mercenaries start coming after. Yep. It's totally legit. They are familiar with the concept. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They could. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Benjamin. They could literally just take from other games that they've already made. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, let's cherry pick this element. This system worked good. Let's let's tailor it more to Star Wars. So, um, one last notable uh, little sequence here I pulled is the fact that you're going to be able to go to Imperial bases. You see a, a hangar with Tie Fighters. And an interesting thought here is you actually see a pike 
talking to you know a stormtrooper there or a imperial officer so that excites me again going to that 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 the gray line between morality with the empire just dealing with the scum and villainy to get their ends meet uh their needs met and all that sort of thing but yeah i mean i after all that being said after all we've seen we're super hyped for the game um i don't know if there's anything you want to say else about it benjamin uh no man it's like one last thing is i i really hope i really don't want to go into like politics or current you know life events we're talking about star wars here that's what we're enjoying and i know that for some dumb reason there's some backlash from the fans the fact that we're getting a female Oh. hero in the, in the video game i'm a huge tomb raider fan i've always been since day one right. yeah, I really, last week. yeah I, I think you're the number one tomb raider fan on twitter i always see you tweeting about tomb raider all day what's <laughs> what i really respect and appreciate about this game we're seeing a, a powerful female role model here she's beautiful she's sexy looking at least in my eyes you know she's she's this type of classic archetype that you want to aspire to is none of this modern sensibility stuff that accept everybody as they are. No, you want to aspire to an ideal. And obviously a smuggler is not somebody you can aspire to be. But I'm talking about from visual aesthetics, the way she looks, the way she moves. She's not trying to be a dude. She's not trying to be Arnold with a super huge gun. I can't do everything a guy can do. She projects a different kind of strength, which is has as much value and interest to all of us. Look, it's four guys like geeking out, nerding over this game. And we're totally fine with it. We're totally invested in it. What needs to happen is when you tell a story organically, when you introduce a beautiful-looking character like this, and it's all natural, and you just keep telling us the story without messaging, without you know political correctness, what you're supposed to think, what you're supposed to right. say, just give us a good damn story. When when yep. you know what's the what's the character's name? Um, KVS. No, no, no. Uh, Book of Boba Fett. Carl Weathers' character. What's his face? Oh, Cargo? hey, Mando. Rave Garga, right? Yeah, yep. Cargo. Cargo. Again, speaking culturally speaking, right? You never question for a moment why Carl Weathers is in that show, why he was cast. I was like, are they trying to diversify the show? No. He's a great stage presence actor who is on there. Yep. He's kicking ass. He's in his, what, late 60s? Looks like he's yep. down 50. And that's what it is. That's what, it, what this game truly projects. It projects confidence. It projects. It puts all its eggs in the basket where it's like, we're going to tell you a good story, guys, that everybody's going to enjoy, no matter what. Well, well, that's my thing with this game. I mean, I mean, we all knew it just subconsciously. You know, you, there's always that weird portion of the internet. Like, as yeah. soon as you see a, a female-led game... There's always that small percentage that it's going to be like, oh, no, we're being led by a woman or blah, blah, blah. Like, but my thing is, is like when I, when I saw the trailer, I didn't even think that like, like my thing, my thing with games and stuff like that. It's just like give us good games. And like, you know, it doesn't matter if it's like a female or a male or, or even an alien or a droid or whatever. Like, as long as there, it's a good character, good story. Like, I don't care. But the thing is, the problem is, you know, with, like, the internet, especially, like, Twitter and, like, YouTube comments sometimes, like, it's just, you get that small minority of people that, like, come out of the woodworks, um, like John Campio always says, you know, the, the people that are living in the basements in the dark, basically, okay. you know, they just, they just, they come out of the woodworks to, like, attack, like, oh, no, it's a woman. It's, like, to me, like, that's such a, 
it's such a lame critique like honestly like Amazing. if you're if, if if this is my thing with this game and, and i think this is a very fair critique if you want to critique this game this is my main critique of the game is i wish it was online like you know there's been no indication this is online i'm assuming it's single player like yeah. i would ideally like like when i first I mean, we talked about it when we broke down the trailer, Chris. It was kind of like, to me, I, like, I'm super excited for this game, but I had to reframe my expectations for the game because I wanted an online open-world Star Wars game like so I could join up with you three guys and us go do a, I don't know, a smuggling mission or something. But, you know, so, like, that's my main critique of the game. It's just, like, the lack of online play. Like, to me, it's like, who gives a damn if it's, like, a female-led character, female lead? Like, I, yeah. I don't know. To me, it's like... It's 2023, folks. Like, yeah. come on now. It's, it's, it's lazy thinking. The problem is, is lazy thinking. And, and lazy thinking is always easiest. You know, if you have to challenge your mind, that's hard for some people. So they choose not yeah. to do that because they want to say, hey, I'm comfortable being lazy and not yeah. using my head. We had this. Yeah. This is the same example we got with old girl who played in Obi-Wan. As oh, a uh, the, yeah. the Inquisitor girl. Reva. Yeah. Reva. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was the like, first guy, the moment I saw it, man, sorry to interrupt you. I was the first dude to like record a video. I'm like, guys, stop with this nonsense. It doesn't I remember that video. Critique yeah. the character. Like, I had a lot of critique with her character. I felt that the, 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 the script didn't do it justice. She did her job as an actress. Yeah. It's somebody who's physical, beautiful looking. She put all her emotion into it. She did her job to the T. There's nothing to complain about. You want to critique? Critique the character. She's not responsible no, for what she's acting out. And, and I, what's funny is that particular week when all that stuff was coming out, I recorded, we did a video together, and I said about the messages she was getting. I was like, I looked yeah. dead at the camera. I'm like, if anyone else want to come at me acting like that, please, you know where I, I'll put my address out there because I have <laughs> no problem saying, please come to my house. I will I will address you to like a man because yeah. there's no need. This is where I think it's lazy yep. of fans. I'm going to just say it right here. Idiots who live in their basement with their mom who who are losers and don't have a girlfriend or a wife because, you know, they're weird yeah. like that. Like, they just want to get on the Internet and just hate on women because no one likes them. They have no confidence in themselves. Yeah. Just because a female lead is in a game or a movie don't mean we're being woke and we're pushing an agenda. There are a lot of fit, great female characters in all genres. Like, yeah. I don't hear anyone talking shit about Sigourney Weaver playing an alien. I don't hear anyone about... Laura Croft be being a woman, or you know, Wonder Woman. Amelia, being a Amelia, woman. Amelia Clark is Amelia the nearest Clark badass. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Linda Hamilton is one of the greatest characters in the Terminator series. No one has ever questioned her because, oh, she's a woman, so she's in Terminator no. and she's still yeah. in the spotlight. And we're, no, it's a great character. Okay. It's a good story. My point was the good story, good characters speak for themselves. When you're not trying no. to battle or, or cater to people, oh, look, we're going to you know, make it. Star Wars has historically been for everybody. We know who George yeah. Lucas is. We know what his wife looks like. Yeah. He made the series for everybody to enjoy. Everybody. And that's what this game is channeling, everything that is great and nostalgic about that Star Wars experience. It's giving you that. Right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I don't like Rey as a character, but I don't mean I hate Daisy Ridley. Like, there you go. Like, like Daisy really is a great person. What she appears to be, well, well, like character, and that's okay. Like it's it's, yeah. it's whatever. Move on. It's so Star Wars. Yeah, I, I mean, mean I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait until until there's a lead Star Wars movie or series where there's someone that looks like me playing the lead. Because oh my god, I would please cast me because I can take all that hate. 
Like, come on, I will have no problem go out and do my media tours. Oh, Milton, they're, they're pushing a black man. Well, okay, well, I'm, I'm still out here doing my job. You're out well, there still being a loser. Like, well, that, well, th well, that's why I loved, I mean, um, now we're getting into, like, the, the overall politics of Star Wars. But my thing is, um, that's why I loved, like, the entire, through the entire, you know, say what I want about the sequel trilogy on camera. Like, John Boyega, like, any of those people that were hating on him he was responding to people directly on twitter that was sending him hate stuff and it's like the thing is with like with the star wars phantom like my problem with it is it's like it's the small it's you know you see in every walk of life whether it be school sports whatever the small minority is what was what, what kind of like shades it for like the vast majority of people i mean yeah, the most vocal yeah the most vocal because like i mean there was an article a couple weeks ago like talking about how toxic and bad the star wars fandom is and it's like well actually that's a tiny minority like for i don't know about you guys like most of the actually all the people i know in real life they watch star wars and enjoy it for what it is like i haven't met anybody in real life real life anyways that's like i don't like um you know I, i'm not excited for this new game coming up because it's a woman lead like I, I, I that's not even a discussion in my like day-to-day -day life yeah no yeah we're on the same page here but yeah it's a great okay. thing that we put that out there because i'm happy you remember to say that benjamin because that was worth uh putting on the podcast for everybody to hear um just yeah it's it's something that we would expect not to not to happen in this day and age but it still creeps up and we're still dealing with it so yeah just be nice and again it's about the story not who's playing the damn character or whatever yeah. so yeah all right well i think that does it we aim to do this for an hour we ended up at two hours so hopefully we didn't take too much of your time timeline no no it's, it's been a pleasure guys it's been an honor i always love hearing your thoughts and just like when you hear a different opinion, when the, the person is sitting in front of you and he's giving you a different, you know, food for the thought, it expands your mind. It makes you appreciate the franchise more. It makes you, this is for me, the fun of being a Star Wars fan. When you get to encounter somebody else, it's like, let me tell you about my Star Wars experience. This is what I encountered as a kid. This was my favorite game. That's the fun of it all, man. Oh, yeah. I was smiling from ear to ear when we were talking about those early game memories, just all the... All the thoughts flooding back into my head. I just absolutely love reminiscing and all that good stuff. So once again, um, can you tell the fine folks out there on the internet uh, where they can find your content? Sure, guys. Star Wars Timeline on YouTube. We have the same Facebook group where we keep it hate-free, yet you can still come in, talk about all the criticism that you like, address the issues you have, or just spotlight things that you love about Star Wars. Also, Star Wars Timeline uh, facebook group and thanks a lot for having me guys it's it's been an honor oh hell yeah would love to have you on again sometime in the future uh, so there you go follow all his socials be a part of that facebook group he's a great as you heard him here he's like that everywhere very positive positive force for the community we need more of you out there man thank you all right much appreciated guys of course of course milton where can the people find you Oh, yeah, they can find me on Instagram at Milton7Weber. I post all my workout videos and funny funny memes on the stories because I love to laugh, as you guys know. Um, and then on Twitter, you can find me at MiltonWeber7. Again, please, if you want to DM me or message me, that's fine. Just keep them positive. If not, I will come to your house and smack you. 
um and he can find me on twitter talking star wars and fitness and everything else in between at real ben maynard and then you can find me on instagram where i'm just kind of like documenting my fitness journey to getting super shredded again and you can find me there at real ben maynard and there you go and you can find me on youtube youtube.com slash star raptor uh usually i could say we're here every sunday but we're actually taking a week off i'm gonna be on vacation next week so we'll see you guys in two weeks time usually we record or stream rather every sunday at 7 p.m eastern so we'll see y'all in two weeks and you can also listen to us on any podcast streaming service uh youtube.com slash star raptor and yeah we had a great time discussing star wars outlaws you could be part of the discussion live every time and you can go ahead and let us know in the comment section below even after the fact uh you could tweet using hashtag outer room transmission what did you like most about star wars outlaws what were some of your earliest video game memories go respond to the tweet by star wars timeline on his twitter account but that's going to do it for Timeline, for Ben, for Milton, for I, Chris, a.k.a. Star After This was Outer Rim Transmission, episode 111. Thanks for watching, and may the Force be with you always.